everybody, this is Connor Lestoka, and this is 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. I'm joined here to talk about bad books, specifically this week, Model Land, by Mike Nelson. Mike, how are you doing? The book is not by me, but I am doing well, yes. <laughs> he said Model Land by Mike Nelson. I wish. Oh, yeah, I right. Wish. I mean, uh, uh, introduce a third author into this uh, into this mix? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We tend to focus on one more than the other. Um, but uh, yeah, Model Land, uh, f- we're more than halfway through, right? We did hit the halfway mark, I believe, during this specific session. So it was a, it was, it was bittersweet because you know we're we're we haven't really gotten to a plot, I would say, in Model Land, and so we're at that point, sort of like we were in the last book, where it's like, well, something has to happen here, and the pages are dwindling with which it can happen. But and know, also there's the, the the madness that is exposed to us through the real or fanfic starts to become like this log jam at the end. It's <laughs> that's happened in many books where it's like, wait a minute, um, yeah, you yeah. know they have to get to Mordor, they have to throw the ring into the fire, they have to, uh, you know, they all get naked and have a, a a Wang sword fight on Mount Doom. I mean, how's that all going to fit together <laughs> at the end? Yes, exactly. There was a I think the last real or fanfic had introduced a. Uh, dancing hunchback and stuff so we were we were we were looking forward to that and that that is just teased upon in this in this specific uh iteration our our episode today yes uh, but we'll, we we do come uh head on with some uh, stuff that hadn't been in a real or fanfic so excited to get to that very exciting i think that my what i realized during this book when i was sort of as i read these books i'm like how is this uh, sizing up in terms of badness because that's the point of what we're doing here we're reading books we don't expect to like and that usually means we're going to be reading some bad books, um, yeah. but they—they they obviously, if you were if you were plotting them out, um, just like the bad movies we do at Riff Tracks, there's there's levels of enjoyability. There's bad through just sort of like irritating bad, and then in, in, and amusing bad. And the way that I am sizing up this one, I, there's like a Peanuts cartoon, probably from the 70s or 80s, that I I remembered from reading as a kid. But it has Snoopy. He's during this this arc. Peanut strips occasionally, you know, would have arcs where, where sure. plots yeah. would happen. He became the head beagle at some point in time. Like the head beagle was always the shadowy figure that um, Frida was always going to turn Snoopy into for not like chasing rabbits with her and stuff. Oh, I, I've never, I, I must have stopped reading Peanuts by the time that plot. <laughs> yeah, this is, out. you know, this is season 33 or something, but he became okay. the head beagle and there's, uh, he, it didn't last long, but he's, he's sitting on top of his doghouse with a stack of papers looking very um, sort of annoyed, but he says, here's the head beagle sitting in his office making important decisions. And he throws some papers around. I made 120 decisions today, all of them wrong. <laughs> So you can get that as a as a coffee mug type of thing, but I, that, to me, that's what Tyra Banks and you know maybe the other guy did upon writing this book. Every single decision is just wrong in some way, whether it's to annoy or to not advance the plot forward or to disgust the reader. Uh, at every at every choice, they they sort of did the uh, George Costanza, and every decision they made was the wrong one. Yeah, and I I feel like. The we had mentioned a few episodes ago, and it probably has come up in every one that the the Tom Waitsian passages are now stacking up. Where it's like, just read the whole book in Tom Waits' yes. fashion. Yeah, just a lot of strange choices, horrible, um, just oddball, just to be oddball, uh, but without any particular point to them. I'm not making that criticism about Tom Waits, by the way. No, no, that, you but, understand. Yes, I, I did. Let the listener understand. Yeah, his 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 books, or I mean, his songs, uh, even if they do get sort of needlessly weird, 
uh, end after after four minutes and fifteen seconds. <laughs> yes. And but yeah, this is just sort of like a series of, of vignettes almost at this point in time, but all um, to uh, make us just less less inclined to believe this is a good place or that good things are going to be happening to our characters. I won't even say beloved characters because the characters are just all sort of uh, annoying uh, in, in their own separate ways at this point in time. And and it does get wearying the game of what is she trying to say here? What are they trying to say to whatever degree each wrote, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, in other words, you know, trying to figure out the source material of, you know, just get me to picture X and I'll do it. Right. I can't, I've I've given up on that. I can't. And so it becomes very tiresome to go, I I can't picture what's happening. I know you're trying to put something into my head. It's, it's like, um, you're, you know, getting teamed up with a Pictionary or something with someone you don't know that well, and they're giving you clues, and you're like, I, I, the frustration yes. is just as they're being. I don't like, know what you know you're this. trying to get to. We saw this movie together, and you're like, that's a, that's an oval with, uh, with <laughs> yes. legs, and they're like, it's the Deer Hunter. Stop stabbing at the picture with your pen, Tyra Banks. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to get me to picture here anymore. Well, well, I specifically marked down one of those moments where I want you to tell me what to picture. I specifically marked down a Tom Waits voice. So I okay, good. I really think there's there's nothing else to do but to, but to, to dive right in. Well, let me uh, offer this. I also had only one Tom Waits. Okay. So for listeners out there, maybe you want to make a bet with someone if you're in a car mm-hmm. about whether we're going to choose the same passage or not. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and put some put some hard money on it. Put put a little on there. Put a twenty on it for me as well. Pause the podcast. Turn to the you know significant other or family member who's way less enthusiastic about this podcast than you are, who you make listen to it on long drives, and and, and ask them to bet which passage yeah. is going and, to be the Tom Waits part. And then Shanghai them into something they're even less interested in. <laughs> Come on, it'll make it fun for both of you. All right. If Let's you're not familiar in. with Tom Waits, be one of those guys who puts on Tom Waits and, and looks at them during the song to see if they're appreciating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my college Here. personality, pretty much. And then do you do the, like, you got to make sure that they listen to the part and then they start talking yeah. right over the part that you, <laughs> t- that was going to be the thing that sealed their love of Tom Waits. And they're like, hey, should we get a burger? And you're like, no, no come I gotta, on. Now I got to go back. Yeah, the hairless chihuahua was what was going to really loop you into this universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you mentioned. Uh, let's dive in. You mentioned there is no plot. Yeah, but I mean, the plot I, is she goes to Model Land. She goes to Model Land, and Model Land knows, as, as again, knows no uh, analog that you could follow. It's just a series of rooms and ships and spheres and balls and <laughs> ugly, horrible people crawling along the ground mm-hmm. and orbs, people with goo. misshapen heads yep. and goo and starvation. Uh, yes, but this is all so far. I believe is is the first twenty four hours at Model Land. Like they got there, they went to their orientation, and then this is like the first day of classes. Essentially, this is their onboarding. Yes, and, uh, and that so is far. halfway through the book. Um, yes, this chapter was subtitled "Jammers, Chowers, and Poachers," which mm-hmm. this is a this is going to be a, a deep cut. But do you remember a, a short? I looked it up. We did a riff track short in two thousand eleven. That was all about your pronunciation. That was hosted by a yes. guy named yeah, yeah. Ned Blandford. Ned Blandford. And his yeah. main pet peeves were grunters and smudgers. And that's I th- correct. I thought that jammers, <laughs> chowers, and poachers would be good to add into that uh, pet peeve of, of pronunciation. Pet peeves. 
the beautiful thing about the uh, chapter 21 jammers showers and poachers is that at the end of chapter 21 there's no more clarity really on jammers <laughs> showers and poachers no, no. you're just as confused as when you started but yes. uh let's dive in uh it, it starts with um uh, tookie is is walking to class and feels a familiar pang in her stomach again a mixture of pity and envy for zarpessa there was anger in that pain too well, then it wasn't just a mixture of pity and envy, was it? It was a mixture of pity, <laughs> envy, and anger, which you could have saved us a sentence here. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, um, another big mistake in this one is they're going to, what is it, the food? The, F- the mastication cow, class. The mastication class, yeah. right. <laughs> right. And uh, she's going up to the building, and it's describing how it's all made of food. Very hard to picture. I'm not even going to give you the... But... Uh, she says uh, when she gets up to it, it looked like the windows were carbonated. Mm-hmm. And then a few paragraphs later, she says she's talking with, uh, I don't know, Piper. I don't know. Sure. It's tempting, but I don't think we should stoop to her level, Tookie concluded as they walked toward the building. She was already there <laughs> licking the windows of the building. So can you at least set them? In, if if the space is going to be indescribable in every way, could you at least set them in that space, you know, in a way that makes any kind of coherent sense, please? Yeah, that's uh, she was hard to be closer to a building than literally licking the window. Yes. <laughs> but so there's your analog there is that it's, you know, it's the pure Wonka rip of licking the, the Snosbury wallpaper, right? Obviously, yeah, but yeah. but it's all you know. She sees this house, which is made of of uh, butter and cream cheese, beef kebabs, soda windows. But all those things have existed in the real world and are are you know they're not irresistible desserts. And she didn't just go around licking, <laughs> licking the you know the food that Zarpessa was digging out of the of the garbage cans. But now that she sees it assembled into a, a unholy gingerbread house, she's unable to resist the urge to lick it. Well, I mean, you've probably all been to, uh, well, let's just talk about you've seen the Wiener Mobile, let's say, right? <laughs> okay, that's the structure at which they sell wieners. Yeah. And and that's what I would think your instinct would never be to go up and say, oh, that mustard looks delicious. I'm going to lick. <laughs> so I, I don't understand the seeing the building. It's like the building is representative, I'm assuming. Sure. But she uh, she sticks her tongue out. I imagine to, uh, there's been the window. some sort of cartoon where a uh, a cartoon dog chases the mobile and is, you know, being dragged down the street with his jaws locked into it. And that's essentially what she's turned into. Yes. Here. <laughs> Granted, they haven't eaten all day, as we learned. Like, so they're you know they they got them to model land. They did that first orientation, but they they never bothered to feed them, and no one really bothered to mention that. Um, but they they have woke up very hungry uh, as they head to this class. And uh, she's got a lot of things going on physically because, as we know, there's been the uh, you know her menstrual cramps have mm-hmm. been described. Sorry to have to bring that up. Uh, and she's uh, she's got a gnawing at her belly. Pangs, yeah. Hunger, mm-hmm. pangs. And uh, then she has all those feelings toward uh, uh, Pessa, Zarpressa. Zarpressa, yes. Well, now I was, I did a good job not saying it till now, and now yes. it's just going to be seated in my head. Uh, Pessa, as she is sometimes called as well. Um, so she's got, got a lot going on. Right. Yeah, it's it's unfair to expect her to to do good in catwalk class or whatever the hell they've been doing as she's been suffering so much. But then you have this uh, wrinkle thrown into the mix, and that wrinkle is Guru Laru Brown, who is from Didgeridoo. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so we're, you know, didgeridoo is it's not even trying to <laughs> trying to hide where she's from. She's got an Australian accent, obviously, but she's quite a character. Uh, she wore a tool belt filled with bright, shiny copper knives, ladles, tongs, spatulas, and a chef's apron that had all kinds of food, cobs of corn, veggie sticks, blued corn tortillas, and prawns still in their shells with the heads attached stitched into the fabric. But the walking buffet didn't stop there. She wore armbands made of roasted garlic. Her pants were made of a burlap potato sack. Atop her head sat a hybrid of a chef's hat and cowboy hat filled with tiny bags of spices. So right now she's just ex- extremely eccentric. But then we get to this detail. Her hair consisted of long tube-like food items, strands of spaghetti, whips of licorice, blades of wheatgrass. She sat down at the edge of her desk, nibbling on her hair, saying nothing. So she's... Uh, first off, uh, wheatgrass, that well-known tube-like food item. So. <laughs> yes. The t- she even describes it as blades. Blade. Yes. Okay. So she's legitimately, she's like, there's a an artist, uh, Archimboldo, who painted those pictures of people where they were, you know, made of fruits and vegetables in, you know, the Renaissance or yes, something like that. Of course. She's one of those things. No explanation of how she came into the world. But then again, I guess we have um, living hands and guys with stretchy noses. So the, the laws are sort of out the window here. Yeah, and uh, I think you started after it. Her legs made an upside-down bowed-out U as though she just jumped off a horse after a long ride. <laughs> and her arms were extended as if she were still holding the reins. Wow, yeah. So speaking of cartoon characters. So, yeah, I was reminded of, once again, one of our favorites on, on the 372 pages, a timer, the cheese mascot. <laughs> so... <laughs> Skinny little cowboy legs yep. bowed out. Uh, yeah, yeah. If Timer but had then, just taken off that hat, and uh, and and all of a sudden he just had um, licorice whips trailing down his backside in a long uh, ponytail or something. Yeah, yeah. This is an eccentric character, but again, we'd like anyone out there if you could uh, whip up a, a sketch, a drawing. It would sure be appreciated. Yeah. Well, I was wondering. I was like, so the, these people who teach here uh, all seem to be, you know eccentric to say the least freaks if to be mm-hmm. ungenerous about it it's it's a very good thing that she managed to find a job teaching about food at model land because the that's true the, right, the, right the other options out there would have been probably held her back at some other real world jobs if you have this this revolting food hair and it turns out that there was a lot of well i would say a lot of speculation about this on the dark web a lot of speculation. About what she would be doing if she weren't teaching at Model Land. Sure. But what percentage of the dark web would you say that the speculation about what she would be doing if she weren't teaching at Model Land? There was a, there was a stretch of time. It t- I, I, so I looked into this. In between, I would say, like, March and August of 2013, so a couple years after yeah. the book came out, it was like 33% of dark web traffic. Sure. Okay. But, right. but none of it was good. Yeah. So what I had to do okay. was I, I I scanned through all that, didn't care for it, went out and hired the uh, 372 players. Oh, it's well, it's good to have them back. Well, yeah, good to have them back. They're, they informed me when I was like I'm a little short for money. Um, they said that that you have them on retainer. Yeah, but yeah, you, I told. I'm sure I must have mentioned that in an email. But see, like you said, good to have them back. We we haven't been using them. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. We haven't been using them, but I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned they're available at any time because I, I have had them at uh, 
Did they mention which hotel? I forget which hotel I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four stars. Yes. A literal yeah. Ritz-Carlton. Why do, why do they need to be in a hotel? They work remote. Well, I mean, look, when you have a private jet ready, what good does it... You, you can't say it works remotely. I mean, we, we need them ready to go. We need their jets fired up. And that requires, you know, just, expensive uh, hotel omelets and things like that. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, they were happy yes. to... Which is good. If they had given me any lip or sass, I would have been quite upset. They were happy to recreate uh, uh, an example of what it might have looked like had Guru Laru Brown gone out into the real world and tried to get another job besides Model Land. Oh, okay, good. Let's take a listen. Miss Laura, thank you for coming in. Crikey, mate. When the top law firm in Utopia calls you back, you drop everything like a hot mug of Vegemite. Didn't know you drank Vegemite, let alone hot, but uh, uh, please have a seat. Thanks. Oh, rest me wallabies here. Well, I'll cut right to the chase. I talked it over with the other partners. We don't think you're a good fit for our law firm. Well, that's bloody absurd, mate. I'm the most qualified bird there is. Your qualifications were impeccable. Your resume was spotless. Then why are we here singing Waltz and Matilda instead of signing a contract? Mm, uh, frankly... It's your hair. Me hair? Yes, yes. Your your hair is made of edible foodstuffs, licorice spaghetti, wheatgrass. It does consist of tube-like comestibles, yes? Yes, yes, uh, yes. And, and we're a law firm that bills clients $3,000 per hour. And? Well, and you can't have food for hair, you freak. That's insane. How did you even get in the door for an interview? Well, you'd be a fool to pass up someone with my book smarts and courtroom skills just because of my hair. Oh, would we? And so, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I think you'll find that we presented irrefutable evidence. There is no doubt that this man committed a heinous triple murder. He was videotaped doing it. He confessed on the stand. I trust you won't take much time to bring the killer of three beloved members of the World Series champion 1986 Mets to justice. Jerry Foreman, have you reached a verdict? Sorry, Your Honor. We spent the whole recess debating whether her hair is uh, red vines or Twizzlers. Then I have no choice but to declare a mistrial and let the defendant go free forever. Wait, that's not what a mistrial means! You see, it, it, it would be a massive distraction. And speaking of distractions, why make the three victims be specific professional athletes? Were they specific? Seemed tantalizing to leave the three guys unnamed. It can't be specific and vague at the same time, can it? <sighs> Laurel, I'll be frank. There are two dogs sucking at your spaghetti hair right now. Oh yeah, those dingoes. Can't get rid of them. They've been lady in the trap in me for the past week and a half. Mm, lady in the what now? Oh, so the 86 Mets exist in Utopia, but not classic Disney films? Classic what films? You know what? Not important. We wish you nothing but the best, but think you should go into a more suitable line of work. Have you considered mastication? For money? How dare you? No, I didn't say mastication. Oh, I heard you. <laughs> ah. Whew. You articulated very well. Yes, but... Based on your reaction, I... There was no possibility of it being confused for another word. 
I just take offense at the idea that with the years of training I've spent, I should pivot careers at the drop of a hat just because some corporate bigwigs think my appearance is a little kooky. One of the dogs is humping the other one. Oi, mate, take off with that. Looking like a regular O'Neill he is. Don't think he's technically come up yet. Uh... Fine. Teaching it is. But, as God is my witness, it's gonna get weird. Oh, finally put to good use. <laughs> See? Yeah. It's yeah. worth every penny. It's worth every penny for an accent that convincing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that is uh, Steve Miller quality. I think so, yes. Australia. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to discussing O'Neill, too. But, like, let's, let's, let's stick in this scene. Sure, sure. She's able to read tongues uh, to determine all the different uh, students' favorite foods. Um, like she, Dylan sticks out her tongue and she says her favorite food. She twisted Dylan's tongue up and around, inspecting it closely. B- Boo Big Teak Deep Dish Pizza Pie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought she was going to say, that's not a tongue. But uh, <laughs> she was she resisted, but I guess. Think of the the motion of that. What uh, what's going on? She reaches into their mouth, she grabs their tongue, and then she twists it, or she t- sort of turns it over, sort of examining it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that a physicality you can imagine <laughs> in a Ren and Stimpy cartoon? Maybe where the tongue is on like a, a fishing wire spool or something. Right, but you can't reach into someone's. I mean, yeah, try to grab your own there. tongue. It's a very unpleasant thing to even like try to pin it down. I can imagine maybe in a in a highly trained nurse's office where they're like, what we're going to do here is we're going to take a small clamp and we're going to lightly pull your tongue out. It's going to be a very strange sensation. <laughs> but someone walking up to you and just like grabbing your tongue, it, it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, well, the mouth stuff, the weird mouth stuff does not, uh, does not, it, it, we get it fast and furious in this section of the book. Uh, we get only we get that, but we also remember the uh, we met the the Rue jerky. Yep, yep. I, I still don't know what's happening here. <laughs> do you understand what this is supposed to be? Uh, no, because it's it's described as sort of like a, a bug bouncing around, but then it's Rue jerky. Yes, so it made a teeny boing sound like a bug on springs, which I, of course, oh sure, like that <laughs> that noise that we're all very familiar with. Uh, but it's not often that you read the weirdest thing you've ever read. The guru chuckled. Nah, they're just too jerky. Grabbing. Oh, sorry. They're just rue jerky. That's where she actually says the name. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I thought that was a joke at first. Like, they're too jerky. So I call them rue jerky. No, that might have been good. <laughs> Grabbing a set of chopsticks from the table, she caught a hopping creature as it passed. You little bugger. She tossed it into her mouth. They taste like chicken. If you catch one, I'll let you eat it. I I I I throw up my hands. I don't know what the joke is supposed to be. Yeah, and and it's, what are the creatures supposed to be? Do we care about their? Are they sentient in any? Because everything else is sort of sentient. Right. She's a creature herself. She's some sort of weird. You know, as we as we heard, she's a mixture of lots of different food products and everything. So is she? Can we eat her? It talks about the girls screaming as these creatures hop past them. So they're evidently some sort of intimidating, you know, larger presence. You know, it's not like they're the size of a mosquito. They're, 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 they, they make their presence known and terrify. And, and they're, they're rude jerky. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to leave that one here, but it irritated me profoundly as I tried to figure it out. And, you know, the, 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 using the chopsticks is just, you know, putting a, a, a hat on a hat on a hat at this point in time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Uh, but, it, you know, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. What she ends up doing here is that she, she reads everyone's tongue and then pipes in troughs of everyone's favorite foods from the ceiling, but is tantalizing with them with them. They won't let them eat it yet, which causes Zarpessa to cry that this is cruel and unusual punishment, which I just I took note that the Eighth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution specific wording exists uh, in this world and the residents of, of Metopia are honor it and abide by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good to know. <laughs> and then I, I, I like this uh, this reference. So the, the tubs have come down. They've ten, everyone's favorite food is like some of them are normal, like deep dish pizza. Well, deep dish pizza is pretty crappy, but other ones are like oysters stewed in pomegranate juice, or I mean, obviously Tookies is whipped cream. But they come down and they're described as slop. <laughs> so they're like hog slop. It says Lauru uh, strolled around the room, dipping a finger into each girl's slop. And a long time ago, we found uh, uh, Billy West. We already talked about Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> yes. but he was talking about his his uh, where he got the voice of Ren from. And there was a, an amazing. He was doing like an impression of a Kirk Douglas impression, saying yes. like, "I'm not going to eat this slop. <laughs> I can't eat this slop." Is that a real quote? I don't think I, so. Yeah, but it, it always has made me laugh, and I can't find it anymore. Uh, if you want to find a good one, it's available everywhere. It's a pretty good movie. The the bold, I think it's called The Bold and the Beautiful, mm-hmm. which sounds like a soap opera, yeah. but I think that's the title. And Kirk Douglas is a studio head, and in it he like manipulates people to get his will. And at one point, a woman comes to see him, and he's got another woman there. And he turns his face away, and he goes like, get out, get out! <laughs> And it is beyond your wildest parody of what you thought Kirk Douglas could be imitated as. He is taking it from an 11 to a 497. It's unbelievable. Oh, that sounds incredible. <laughs> but then uh, speaking of 411 uh, to 411, it says um, they finally lower the, um, the tubs of slop. And then uh, everyone runs to get them, just like pigs to a trough. They're just, you know, going nuts, like you know the the, the boys in Pinocchio when they start turning into to donkeys and stuff. But it, uh, I like this uh, this rich tapestry she paints before us here. Tookie grabbed some cans, inverting them and squeezing endless streams of whipped cream into her mouth. Then she did it again and again and again, tossing spent cans to the side and reaching for new ones right away. In no time, her face was covered in cream. Her brand new model land uniform slopped with goop. (laughs) (laughs) Your your thing is slopped with goop. Get out. Get out. But so everyone now looks like they've just completed competed in double dare or something in terms of what they're uh, what these these cute little girls are, are now looking like. But could you picture the mechanism? The mechanism was they would climb into harnesses above their slop pile bucket, and then each one would be lowered as they tried to reach it. But I just couldn't picture where are they all in space. I thought that too. every girl in a class is hovering above her own. Trough of slop. I thought then the, the the trough of slop was it's very fun to say was was lowered in a harness or something like that because later it talks about how Zarpessa is crawling hound like on all fours, her head down, scraping the floor to retrieve the vile vittles with her tongue and incisors. So I think they ran to the troughs after they were lowered out of the ground, as you would like. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, are we supposed to be thinking of a cooking show or something? Like, the Iron Chef lowers the ingredient or something. That that's all. I oh, okay. Piece together. It's very. It's unclear. I'm looking at it now. The timer dinged, and each girl's harness lowered closer to her vat. 
Huh. Almost close enough to touch the bounty, Tookie groped for the whipped cream cans okay. until her arms ached. But she was so she was so hungry, her head was beginning to spin. So we just missed the scene where they they came into class and the guru said, "Like, all right, everyone, put one of them harnesses on." I, I think the harnesses are pictured once before, but okay. it's not clear. Right. So anyway, great. Well, <laughs> it's unclear. And then we get they after they've all you know pigged out, they go to the dessert showers, which is just another um, you know lovely image. It's. Uh, they turn on these showers, and it says the liquid spurting from the nozzles was anything but clear. One nozzle spurted rich cassis, another spouted thick, deep brown liquid, another showerhead's waterfall was a rich tan hue. So it's just diverted full into like, isn't there a scene of like Anne Margaret in a tub of baked beans in some movie, like Tommy yes. or something? Yeah. Right. So it's just yeah. this utter, utterly revolting, um, you know, brown liquid being sprayed everywhere. Richard Terry there. Yeah. But before you get to that, you get this. Uh, again, I'm, I'll tax the listener's uh, uh, mind's eye here. The vats then crashed to the floor and morphed into elevators, one per girl. Guru Laro gestured to them. Even though Tookie already had dessert, you other Bellas haven't. Get in, mates. The girls boarded the food vat carriages. <laughs> the elevators didn't go up or down, however is a weird thing to call them then but slid across the floor and transported everyone to a nearby building got that solidly pictured in your mind's eye yeah i mean it's things crashing to the floor and morphing into elevators elevators that move sideways transporting everyone to a nearby building Mm -hmm. so this is something that uh you know when they brought in guru guru laru and the, she was like, you know, part of my contract is I get to to redesign my building. She had a bunch of uh, bestosterones in there, you know, explaining to them how she wanted this setup to be to be constructed. Um, probably at a cost of, you know, what does what does a baseball stadium cost? Three hundred oh million dollars? Like, yeah, it has to be this infrastructure that's, for dropping bottom basement elevators yeah. out of the ground, and then they turn into like mine cars from a video game, taking you through opening walls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and now just I quickly have a, a very short passage that uh, let's set the stage again. Uh, I saw someone the other day. It was walking with uh, her little girl and it was basically a Pixar girl, you know, just like ponytails out, just like the cutest, a little, mm-hmm. a little dress. Enormous and lollipop. Like, I mean, it was just so I had to point her out to Bridget like, come on. I mean, that's pretty perfect. <laughs> uh, so she's you're tucking her in, you know, and you're reading from the model land catalog. Here's okay. what you say to her. Uh, all right. Sit. Get get it. Get settled, honey. Thank okay. you, Daddy. I love you. I love, you I love too. story time. I, it will be something I remember on my wedding day that you read to me night, at night. Every night is a treasure you can see. In the corner of my eye, I picture a day when you will no longer let me read to you. I'm clutching the blanket adorably uh, right under my chin. I see that, and I'm <laughs> moved to utter tears. But let me read from this young adult book yes, called please. Model Land. Thank you, Daddy. Here's a little present from you to me. The gift of renewed appetite. You're now so hungry you could eat the ass out of a low-flying duck. Good night, my dear I'm, sweet. I'm never reading again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a uh that you know in terms of coining a a a maxim there <laughs> is that uh australian in nature i don't know uh, I, I i've never heard it before i mean out of 
out of a, I feel like you could say something, eat the ass end out of a something, but it's also taken on disturbing new context over the, since the book was written, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, the duck, duck, duck sayings. We started with one in Ready Player One, and we're, uh, we're we've got one here yeah. in Model Land. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even make the connection, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, how about this one though? Uh, when she 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 starts handing out gut chower or gut jammer stickers to these girls based on whether they ate in control or not. For example, Chaste, who is now covered in oysters and chocolate gets one uh, that says gut chower because it says you ate very slowly and when you reach the perfect amount, you stopped never, never getting over full. She's covered in oysters and chocolate. I don't, I don't see any way that she was reining in her, her, her appetite here. I don't understand. But then Tookie gets reprimanded for being a gut jammer. So this is where Ned Blanford comes in and she says, you, eat, you, you ate with the voraciousness of a Prega's Tasmania devil during her first trimester. So it's not quite ass end of a duck, but it, it would be enough to, I think, you know, have the have the, the little girl send you out for a glass of water and then pretend like she's asleep when you get back or something. Right. <laughs> and then Dylan is called a shoveler. <laughs> How are they? These dis- differences were not described in the book, right? Nor was any uh, positive or negative traits ascribed to any of them as it was happening. They were all just like trying to eat like hogs out of their own trough, right? Yeah. I mean, it never said, uh, but chased, you know, uh, you know, took out a fork and, and, and uh, ate a modest amount of oysters before dabbing her mouth with a napkin, you know, daintily. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, what she's giving these uh, labels from is she is pulling a green stamp. I, I assume not green stamp, not capitalized from under her chef cowboy hat and pressed it on Chase's wrist. Mm hmm. Um, this is where she's getting them. Now, remember, this is the hat that is a combination of a chef and cowboy hat, uh, if I can go back to it, that I believe is covered with tiny bags. No, it's filled with tiny bags of spices, something that I, I can't imagine how you could see uh, from, like, how would you see that? Yes, right, unless it's trans- In the transparent, hat. which, you know, you wouldn't put it past model land, but... So, uh, yes, atop her head sat a hybrid of chef's hat and cowboy hat filled with tiny bags of spices. And her her pants were made of a burlap potato sack. <laughs> Which makes her less likely to get those law, law firm jobs, jobs as well. Sure, yeah. yeah, sure. But, uh, if a student showed up to day one of college, you'd be like trying a little too hard to uh, to make an impression here, let alone a professor. Yes. And I don't know, like, you know, I'm, I don't want to get into it, but the uh, idea of, uh, of, of models potential models getting called out by professors and being called gut jammers and uh you know their eating habits being criticized seems a little uh you know it's less less tasteful than you than you'd think would be for some uh um, it's not like it's a i don't know (laughs) it's not like there are not issues with that in the realm of the uh the book's intended audience yeah it's uh, like if you uh maybe you'll write a book someday that's sort of an analogy of your life you know writing comedy and then You'll write these very specific references about how I annoyed you at Rift Uh, You know, he'd go out to lunch and his path to the sushi place was one of the worst. (laughs) It seems like she's got a grudge against somebody and it's very specific. And it's like we're we're not sharing it. We don't go to schools where we're hovered 
over vats of stuff and not allowed to eat uh, cans of heavy cream. Right. And, you know, whatever she had in her life where they were forcing her to stay skinny or whatever, I understand she's probably got gripes about it. It's not coming through in the book, man. Yeah, it's all going to boil down to, like, you know, Nev Campbell was rude to her backstage at the Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards or something like that when they were both presenting. And, like, she just pretty much, you know, <laughs> noted that she was sort of, like, going to town on the pigs in a blanket and this the book is the result a decade later. Like, uh, I guess. <laughs> she's asking all the other models, like, you totally saw that that was about Nev, right? And they're like, we, no. Like, what? She was always nice to us. All right. So that food adventure was a little strange, but uh, things get clearer here. Absolutely. An, an upper class Bella approached the eats wall and spoke into a large pair of lips. <laughs> uh, so that she must, <laughs> that must be Merlin. Yeah, right Merlin's computer. Place. Yeah. Amber joy of Angel City, cream of wheatgrass soup and a side of wheat toast with butter. With a brief chime, a door opened and a steaming bowl shot out. In it was the most hideous looking grass green soup Tookie had ever seen. Which raises the question, how many bowls of hideous looking grass green soup have you seen? Very true. It's uh, Each one was more hideous than the next. Yes. Yeah, could, could we, again, could just something not be hideous? It's like, you know, you, you, you watch some, some movies sometime, like, or, you know, uh, the, uh, I've recently watched the show uh, Handmaid's Tale, where it's like, can there just be some ray of sunlight? Like, everything's just so awful and depressing, and people are being just tortured. It's like, whoa, why am I subjecting myself to this for entertainment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, this one is unrelenting. Yeah. But so, yeah, the, the uh, lesson here is that they, they, they take away their, their appetite and make them go back to the E so that they can eat more. Um, where the lesson is in this, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was just like, eat the right amount. Um, but they, it, it, was, it was conveyed with this quote from, from the guru. No Bella's first day is complete without a stinky, sloppy, slimy trip to the E. Which... All things considered, is is better than a slinky, sloppy, slimy trip to the D. I would have to say. I, I suppose. So. <laughs> um, uh, I have a Sonic challenge for you. Oh right? boy! Uh, this is when we see. Uh, well, we'll get to this, but uh, the the girls all press their faces, their scum covered, <laughs> slimy, sloppy, stinky faces, to the glass of of the E. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they start crying out things, and one of the things because the hunks are outside. Yes, the hunks are outside. Sexified succulents. Someone cried. Oh, just just say that. You have to cry it out as though you're someone seeing uh, a really buff dude outside your window, and you're covered in and just crap and garbage (laughs) and filth. I was going to give it the the uh, sexified succulent. Sex the, the uh, so that's an option. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's certainly an option. Ah, sexified succulents, like uh, someone that stands at, the, at a One Direction yes. concert. That's how they sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're seeing these guys. What what are their names? The Bestosterones. Um, yeah, but they give them actual names here. Bravo. Yep. Bravo. Uh, Alexander and Webb. Yep. <laughs> Which is, you know, Alexander and Webb are his are his toadies. Although he doesn't seem to be a bad guy, uh, they but they, you know, by by virtue of their lot in this book, they have to be the toadies because that's what they're emulating from Harry Potter. 
Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, and it's even uh, the toadies in Harry Potter were Goyle and Crab. So just you're going pretty, pretty uh, one step removed with Webb there. Okay, um, but yeah. So Webb and Webb and Alexander the toadies. I think they're shirtless guys. They're building something, so they're throwing around uh, metal beams as though they're nothing, like toothpicks. And uh, the girls are tapping on the glass and going, Auga. <laughs> and Webb and Alexander noticed the girls and smiled, waved, and licked their lips. Wow. Salart. Yeah. You, you son of a... <laughs> it's all... Uh... 12, 13-year-old girls. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's been... There, we've been led to believe these are the same age uh, bestosterones, I believe. Yeah, like I don't, I, mean, I don't think they're you know the thunder from down under out there, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? But yeah, the 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 all the girls are trying to get their attention, and the chapter ends with um, one of them, Bravo, uh, noticing Tookie, uh, and she thinks, of course, at first that it's for something positive, but we quickly move on to chapter twenty two and realize that's not the case. You ready? Uh, but before we get to that, though, the chapter ends with this. This was very strange. Okay. So he's tossing the girder around. Yeah. So they're cartoon, they're cartoon shirtless. I mean, they're essentially, you know, I assume like wearing hard hats, cut off shorts type of thing. They're, um, they're that type of yeah. construction guy. Yes. So he, he tossed this girder a third time. It slipped out of his fingers and came hurtling down sharp edge first. Just if you are handling a girder, please make sure the sharp end doesn't come down first. <laughs> Snagging the skin on his forearm, uh, the bleeding Bravo looked up at the window and focused on only one face. Yes. So okay. at this point, I'm like, okay, so someone has just sustained. My dad used to do this kind of work. I, I've told you before, he's lost parts of his fingers mm-hmm. and came home with various wounds. Yeah. Um, I'm very concerned about Bravo right now, but the, the, this book just moves on. <laughs> it's a it's a construction he site a injury on his arm, and we have no idea what to expect from the the model land, um, you know, nursing staff or whatever. For all we know, yeah. it's a it's a um, uh, it's it's a it's a walrus on roller skates for you know that, that treats yeah. your wound, and it's named like you know Guru Bubblegum. Um, so to, can't be providing top notch medical care. Oh, can you imagine if she got into that world, the amount of uh, uh, just acronyms and things we'd have to endure? Oh, yeah. For <laughs> Do you have your plasti card? <laughs> Can't get your medical service until you get your card. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the world of model and uh, medical insurance and pharmaceutical reps and, uh, and mi- ph- pharmacy middlemen. Grim business to imagine. Sure, and and I mean the other question is: Are bestosterones? Are they? Uh, maybe they're just expendable. Like, look, we're not. I don't have time to take you to the hospital. That's true. You should. You shouldn't have let the sharp end come down first on your arm. It is if it's playing. You're just gonna have to take care of it yourself. If it is by Harry Potter rules, um, anyone who's from these peripheral houses and stuff is, you know, are essentially the red shirts of the universe. Yeah. All right. But, so Bravo's dead. Okay. I don't know. Maybe testo- maybe I'm sorry, testosterone. Maybe tetanus does not exist in the model land universe. Mm, that's true. Well, let's make a note of all the things that we need to <laughs> look into. Yes. Uh well, we we quickly realize in chapter 22 why Bravo is staring at Tookie, and it's because he he makes a wiping gesture across his nose. On instinct, Tookie touched her nose too. To her horror, a trail of creamy pea green slime appeared on her fingers. She'd been staring out the window with a giant whipped cream booger on her face. So, so just, again, the, the, the power of language, 
the ability to to transform you and, and paint a new world is just really being put on display by our by our author here. I I, I hate to get down to the dynamics of this, but so her snot like blended with the whipped cream and caused the creamy pea green slime to appear. Sure, if you had just said it was a whipped cream booger, it'd be like, oh, that's haha, <laughs> like you know, it was near my nose or something. But it is pea green, so somehow it's a it's a very like viscous. Uh, you know, mucus secretion that's able to to blend on the fly with the whipped cream that was still on her face. So are we to assume that she sort of took a lot of the whipped cream into her sinuses? Is that... Oh, yes, exactly. So Chase has oysters up there. Um, uh, Zarpessa has a entire fish skeleton like a cartoon cat would eat that she's going to dislodge later. Uh a quick aside on that, mm-hmm. a friend of mine in college had a uh, a friend in grade school who took some time in his room to sniff spaghetti up into his own sinuses, <laughs> obviously cooked spaghetti, uh-huh. and his parents only days later started to uh, recoil from his horrible stench oh. that he ex- exuded. <laughs> oh. They brought him to the doctors, and the doctor says, I find no medical reason why he should smell <laughs> And then several days later, they brought him back again. He's like, well, I can flush his sinuses. And out came like half a bowl of spaghetti. Rotten spaghetti? Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's worse than anything in the book. But no, that's just what's happening in this book every day. Just yeah, the rot and the, the book filth. wishes it had that story, yes. Was he trying to do the thing where you snort up one end and put and you could pull up between your two noses, your nostrils? He was, he was in grade school and he was a boy. Like, well, I have no <laughs> idea what he was trying. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, so let's get on to the so past the booger. Uh, uh, well, like then, then I just have the question: like, did did Bravo bleed to death? But he comes up in a, sure, no, another yeah, chapter. But, but nothing, nothing ever is touched on again by that. No, but then they they are led away uh, by Persimmon the Manicant, um, and Chase is not happy about this because she says, "Where are we going? I was just about to flash my breastosteros." <laughs> to which Persimmon replies, "You need to get that filthy mouth of yours cleaned up." And I just, my note was just, I wish Chase was in every book we did. Just to have someone who essentially just like leans in from off camera and says something like, you know, grade school level risque in every scene or just shouts it from the back of the room. It would, it would, it would add something, I think, to our, to our library here. Yeah. Plus she has the, uh, I started to make notes of them. I passed over a few, but she is, if there's any terrible, terrible joke and the cruder, the better chased will be there like nelson months yeah. uh with <laughs> she'll either like chortle yeah. she'll snort laugh or whatever and uh yeah she, there's no joke that goes on <laughs> unacknowledged and appreciated by uh by chase yeah my mom is you know we have a, a friend who i guess has a, has a very good laugh and so uh we were, she's always like you know you need to get her at the at the audience at a, at a riff track show like chased would be the ideal person just like seeding the pot with laughter type of thing yeah, there was uh, on the old when they used to do it on every show. I think they had this one hero that you could hear in every single episode. It's like, give us more of you know Mrs. Johnson from uh, Ohio or whoever it was. <laughs> um, but then this is my this was my moment where I wanted you to describe to me what we're what we're being taking away. This chapter is called "Fused Flashback Females," and it takes us to a area of model land called the Hoa, the Hua. Like the Al Pacino, the hua. Yeah, that's the marine uh, uh, heard, understood, and acknowledged. Sure, okay. But yeah, so it's it, it, it's this building. It says the fluttering light at the end of the hallway expanded into an immense glowing circle. 
a mannequin stood at the reception desk shaped like the letters H, O, and A. Got that. The letters moved around in a disorganized jumble, probably making it hard to set anything on its surface. There was a great round room behind the desk, its walls covered in a furry-looking fabric, and its ceiling gently pulsing up and down as if breathing. <laughs> so, Sh- sure. Any any idea what it's ripping off? First of all, uh, no if, idea. If this was my like a Wes Anderson shot in a in movie, my, like t- yes. tightly composed. Eyes rolled back in my head. I have no idea what's going on. And here. as I was reading it, I, you know, since they're entering the room, I thought the letters they were seeing, you know, uh, like fridge magnets looking at them, H-O-A. Now I'm wondering if it's H-O-A from the top down because, you know, it's just difficult to push any, put anything on his desk surface because the letters are moving. But it would be even more difficult if it was just the H, O, and A as, let you know you know what I mean? If they were standing straight up as opposed to being flat on the ground, but then how would they see them if they were lying there flat on the ground to be viewed from above? I, I don't know. Sorry. Is, I, the a, is the HOA supposed to be a homeowner's association? Does it get explained? I don't know. Uh, it, it stands for something in here. I forget, though. Oh, <laughs> okay. I didn't note it, so I'm, you know, it just doesn't matter because there's no way in hell we're coming back here, you know? Yeah, in Harry Potter, they you know in the third book they'd be like, oh, we're going back to like the pensive room or the the bathroom where the toilet ghost lives. Like, um, they 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 sort of I wouldn't say pay off, but they're you're in a location that you will then be returning to. <laughs> Here, I have no confidence we're going back to any of these classrooms or gurus or whatever. Yeah, no, we're just we're meeting these and moving on. This is the the whole experience is like a road trip, right? I had. You know, you stop into the uh, country western bar and you almost get beat up and then you leave, yep. but you're not going back there. You're, you know. Yes, yeah. It's it's an episodic uh, little series of encounters. Yes. Uh, and in that room, and I know we you you might have some criticism of it right there, but uh, Salort and uh, and Tyra, the the room full of nude. Uh, here, all the girls were completely nude except for Tookie, Kamalini, and Dylan. Yeah. Though they're about to get nude. Yes. <laughs> and it's a huge room. I don't know if that makes any difference. <laughs> but rows and rows of polished stone slabs filled the room. Dozens of Bellas lying atop them. Wow. Well, yeah, so. we, we may have, like, you know, uh, equaled more nudity in this chapter alone than in all our other books combined, including The Mister. Yes. <laughs> And it's all, you know, it's all high school and middle school girls. So well well done, you two, like for making us read this in public. Right. Uh, so they lay on these slabs and they get just, it's kind of once again, like the, uh, you know, brush, brush here, brush, brush <laughs> there. Yeah. Their clothes get sucked off. Or they get like uh, bathed in something. I don't know. Yeah. Dozens of hands came up from under the slabs and removed them clothes. That, which is like, I'm picturing, you know, like a Dr. Seuss machine where the hands are like cartoony white Mickey Mouse gloves and then they're connected to like, you know, hinges and arms and gears yeah. type of thing. Right. The over-engineered like round hinges. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then, then Tookie covered her private parts with her own hands. She felt cold, vulnerable, and certain everyone was staring at her. And if we're, <laughs> I wish this had been a ripoff of a Harry Potter scene. Like if this was something that happened to Neville yeah. or something, <laughs> yes. like Neville comes in with his hands over his junk, just sort of being like, that sure was weird, guys, when they when they prodded our naked bodies. They're like, what room did you walk into, man? Please get back to your desk at once. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll just uh, 
guess I'll just suppress that and never mention it again for the rest <laughs> of the series. Uh, my actor is going to get better looking, by the way, like really ridiculously good looking. <laughs> <laughs> like notably, everyone will notice it. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, so they uh, they get cleaned up. I kind of didn't want to stay too long on that, <laughs> but then they walk past again, and you know how I don't know if you've ever you've written um, I don't know if you've written movie scripts or developed them with people, but even in books or what have you, you're always told please no double beats, like you know no don't stop showing the same thing over. You can't rely on a an emotional thing or a uh, you know, a plot point that you just repeat. Okay. I don't see how this isn't this entire thing is just like repeated beats. Yeah. Of looking at people having weird crap done to them. <laughs> and like they're walking past rooms. Here, I got one here. Uh, they walk down a long corridor full of treatment rooms. Bella's murmured with pleasure, but when Tookie looked into one room, a Bella was lying on her stomach with an enormous boulder crushing her spine. <laughs> the latest in hot stone treatments. Years before civilians will hear about it, the mannequin explained. And then that's just it. <laughs> sure, yeah. So, it, is sh- so she's dead, too. She's, her body is tossed next to Bravo's bleeding corpse somewhere in a, in a big charnel pile somewhere. Yeah, I mean, unless things are just magic or cartoony when they need to be. That's well, what, we have in, what we have in store here. But obviously she's trying some sort of joke there. It's just failing. But it's, you know, just peering into rooms and making crappy visual jokes is just, it's getting very tiresome. Yeah, I mean, we would make jokes all throughout the Harry Potter riff tracks where in like movie five where they'd be like, and here's like the the the, the frugingly blurgle spell. And then something happens and all the kids like goggle eyes at them as they watch. Yes. It's like, yeah, Rod was raised in a family of wizards. It should be the equivalent yes. of of us, you know, you know, being impressed by your dad, like you know, pretending to pull his thumb off of his hand, type of thing. Yes. So that's you know, I mean, I guess Tookie's only been here for 40, 24 hours at this point in time. So, but yeah, to the audience, um, it's very, very tiresome. And we're, we're, we've been told that she submitted Tyra submitted a thousand page manuscript. So you have to imagine this is the the sort of world building garbage that was the main thing edited out of it. Things like the, oh, the stone, stone boulder scenes. Well, who was Xing those pages? Holy <laughs> moly! But I like this this thing. I think as they're walking around looking at that girl, they've they've been clothed and uh, it had this uber cleaning and um, definition uh, description. The yellow mannequin gave the girls what looked like green strapless terry cloth mini dresses with asymmetrical hems. Asymmetrical hems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did they, did they also turn out to be whipped cream boogers, or or, or were they green established terry cloth mini dresses? Because if that's what they looked like and what they were used as, it seems like they qualify. Well, they only look like them. We're reserving judgment. There's going to be a whole chapter on whether or not they are later on. <laughs> uh, so what they are doing here is they're going to go meet the flashback females, who are sort of like a trio of minority report um, yes. things where you can use them. They're like connected at their heads um, to, to tap into a, a moment of your life. And this is sort of a team-building exercise. Tookie is with Kamalini and Dylan at this point. And so you're going to relive a moment from your life, um, I guess, to just help you bond with your fellow Bellas. Yes, and this, but this moment was explained uh, before. This place to go is just for all the Bellas to go and just relax, to, you know, restore, drink cucumber water, <laughs> Uh, eat light salads and do, uh, you know, do some yoga in a very peaceful environment. 
Uh, instead, they're going in to relive trauma <laughs> with three uh, other worldly creatures who are fused at the skull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'll just stick in the room with the uh, with the diffuser and the Enya playing. Thanks. That's. <laughs> yeah. But they also, I don't think that they, I, because I, I also went back and read this because once they start relieving their memories, all three relieve. I mean, well, the first two relieve trauma, but I don't think they specif- specify that you needed to do that. Like, so Kamalita goes in. And, and relives a moment where <laughs> she essentially recruits a, a family of, of poor people in, in her community to be uh, extras in a movie that her mom was producing. And she yes. ends up, she ends up um, getting them all killed because a backdrop collapsed yes. on them. She, so essentially she, she does a, like a John Landis in the Twilight Zone. An entire family. Yes. yes. And we're, we're led to believe, that, again, that they're a little... Adorable moppets. Yes. <laughs> All murdered by a, a... Apparently, they make backdrops in fake Bollywood out of uh, uh, disconnected bricks. Or <laughs> yeah, I think that's what she describes it as, like dust and smoke and just an absolute nightmare right. of, of shoddy construction. But uh, here's here's one. This, I think, is just meant to show contempt again for actresses or something. In Bottle Land? Uh, Camelini <laughs> explains... I secretly convinced one of the grips on my mother's films to run plumbing and electricity lines from our house to their tiny home, too. Do you know what a grip on a film is, right? (laughs) Yeah. They move lighting equipment around. (laughs) I'm not saying it's not a a skill. It obviously is. But uh, I secretly, a little kid... Right. Secretly convinced a grip on a film? Right. Hey, hey, could you abandon the film and... uh, Put your life in jeopardy and connect plumbing and electricity to a house across town? They have to be one of the most like tightly like union regimented professions, right? Yes, like, of course. I am taking my like, you know, every hour mandated fifteen break. I I'm not allowed to even touch that tool because that's another guy's job. Yes. I I've seen that in action where it's like, hey, could you just hand me that prop right there? Key grip? Yeah. No, I can't. <laughs> that's not my <laughs> that's not my department. That's props. Right. Get a prop guy up here. And then, you know, yes. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he, he builds uh, an entire plumbing and electrical system. <laughs> well, it sounded like he played a key role in this, uh, in this tragedy. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, but uh, it does, so, yeah, they, they relive this. The mannequin then must have just been like, I, uh, I kind of thought you'd relive the moment that you, your family got a puppy for Christmas. But, um, right. oh, <laughs> sure, killing a family on a set of a movie, that's one thing to do. Um, but then Dylan went right to that too. Yeah. It's not like she, there was no, no discussion of it. Like, Hey, maybe you should take on something significant because you have the opportunity and then dismissing it. It's like, Nope. Sure. Go, go right in for it. Yeah. And then she says something along the lines of that's why I always wear this head jammer to like block out the memory. So it's doing a little bit of clumsy, uh, backstory filling in, I guess. And we get, we get Dylan's flashback, which is, I thought was pretty funny. Um, Dylan's dad picked up a six-year-old Dylan and placed her on a slide. He pushed her on a swing set and helped her on the monkey bars, but it all seemed too much for him. Winded, he kneeled down to his daughter. Dylan, my baby, daddy's little girl, daddy's going to have to go somewhere far away very, very soon. And then he tells her she's beautiful. And then suddenly he started to cough. He seemed able to catch his breath. His face became bright red and then he dropped to the ground. Daddy, what's wrong? Uh, he looked up over there with glassy eyes. His mouth opened and closed, but he couldn't speak. In seconds, an ambulance rolled up. EMTs jumped out and loaded Dylan's father into a stretcher. Daddy, young Dylan, cried again and again. So where was he going? 
<laughs> I don't. He know. just he he sensed an impending fatal heart attack, and that was how he communicated it to her. <laughs> it's very less. It's like a lot less detail and time spent on it than the previous one. So it's it seems like she just tried to just like dash off these uh, these little encounters. I do enjoy though that because uh, I was just talking to someone about it, someone who knew uh, a medical person that there is really no such thing as like the Hollywood heart attack uh, where you see it coming or clutching the chest <laughs> and going like my left arm is going numb. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Like that, it's you know ninety nine percent of the time is much more gradual than that. Huh. But uh, I like that it was a Fred Sanford heart attack. <laughs> right, he was coming for you, Elizabeth. Yes. Um, yeah. So that both both relived tragedies. I don't. So Kamalini, I forget what happened to her father. But anyway, this was where Dylan's father dis- disappeared, and then Tookie flashes back to a. She picked a. I don't know how she picked this, but uh, a moment when she was a baby and her parents still loved her. Um, so she sort of relives this um, alternate world where uh, they, they were proud of her. Um, but there's still ambiguity because it says a man who certainly must have been Mr. De La Creme was holding her hand, though. Tookie couldn't see his face. Oh, yeah, I missed that yeah. part. So because uh, she describes his body several times nice. and he's just he's just ripped, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's, just... he's still wearing his it's like before. his acrobat singlet and stuff. Yeah, this was before the accident. He uh, he had two eyes. I assumed it was supposed to be him, but I guess that's good catch. That could be a plot point later. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's it's pretty much that. I think it says <laughs> um, that she was the two-year-old. Her two-year-old self was ac- actually strangely cute, not the hideously disproportionate, <laughs> frustratingly awkward teacher she'd grown to be. And I felt they sort of buried the lead with that. I mean, they, they said things about her, but they have never called her outright hideous. Um, just as they, yeah, I, uh, Bridget was giving her a pass when she came on the show to react to the passage describing our, our lead. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, that's just, you know, someone exaggerating about themselves. But this was the moment I went, uh, I don't think they're exaggerating. Right. She, I think she legitimately has snowshoe sized feet. Yeah. And a punch bowl sized head, and this just confirms. Yeah, right. she is hideous. Okay, I'm glad that I wasn't just like picking up on that then here either, because the same thing happened with Dylan later in the book, where Dylan gets up and is like essentially like, you know, <laughs> I weigh 600 pounds. She says in front of everybody, and it's like uh, they had sort of described her as just being like, you know, curvy, <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then she sort of freaks out yeah. in front of the whole crowd. Yeah, bad description. Yeah, very very poorly. Uh, sketched at this point where you have to uh and yet you know 17 paragraphs about hideous slime dripping out of people's you know uh orifices at every moment (laughs) i guess we should but then just like the broadest sketch of who these people are who are our heroes in this later on we're gonna get you know piper being like well you're just discriminating me because of my hook hand and we'll be like really (laughs) you led with you know albino skin and not the uh the hook hand she's had the whole time (laughs) Uh, but now we get into uh, this becomes a, an epistolary uh, uh, novel at this point. It's very it's kind of weird fun. and very jarring. I'm sure even more for you in the ebook. It, it they are uh, contiguous in the ebook. Yeah. So at least in the it, I, I did I grabbed the real book to confirm that they were not okay. Yeah, because I had a, it was one of those like you know footage missing slides. Um, it's with a sentence with that the flashback disappeared and young Tookie and her tender and loving parents were gone. Right into a note to Lizzie, which at least in the uh, in the print book, it gives you a, a page break and a, a handwriting font. Yes. 
I, I, I double checked on there's another one later that's even more jarring when you're reading the ebook. <laughs> but this is certainly jarring enough. Great. Uh, uh, I don't have much about it. Uh, oh, just that she ends her little note to her, you know, uh, to uh, Lizzie. And uh, she is using the friends with the four S's. Oh, yeah. God. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but she ends it with uh, just sort of a gentle ribbing her about the fact that she's a cutter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a little cruel, like a little dig at someone. Look, I haven't seen you in a while. I hope you haven't bled out somewhere in in your tree, uh, tree house or whatever. Since the day I abandoned you. <laughs> yeah. Screaming like, uh, what was she shrieking like? I, I'm sorry, was, or Exodus, or something like that. I think she would. Yeah, but the description of her was like this: this just feral beast, right. like shrieking and rending her garments. <laughs> yeah, and so she's saying, "I hope you're staying away from Shark Rocks." Was a few lines earlier. She's like, "And the latest person to join in on the glare fest is Bravo, a male model attending our brother school, Bestosterone." Which you know, if Lizzie is reading this and not you know dead or in a you know padded cell somewhere clearly thinks you're making this up because <laughs> yes. it is idiotic to read that. You're like, now that I've written it all down, it does sound pretty stupid. <laughs> Tookie says at the end of the letter. Anyway, Kurt Cobain, I got to get going. I, I hope you're staying away from the heroin and shotguns <laughs> so long. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, that's the end of that chapter. Do you want to do a uh, fanfic before we move on? I do. Great. And now I bet they bitchin' cause my flow switch and tryna tell me what to write. I bought some fan fiction. Can't they just be happy? Okay. Very exciting day. The tables. The tables are here and these tables are being turned. Oh boy. Turned on Connor, my tormentor in this book. <laughs> I'm sure that my uh we have someone keeping track of it. We haven't done it ourselves, but I'm sure my I'm sure I'm back to fifty percent or less. Yeah, I th- on this particular book, we have uh, we do have Lucas who keeps track of all of these. Um, but I, I believe you're 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 a touch over coin flip territory at this point in time. Touch over coin flip, boy, <laughs> it feels like it's hardly a victory. I don't think I'm that much more over, and I have a smaller sample size, so at least yours has normalized. Speaking of a touch over. Uh... <laughs> I'll just give you a picture. I was at the Twins game last night. Nice. Uh, the salami in the first inning by our hometown heroes. The Grand Slam. Nice. lot to cheer about. Fended them off to 5-1 in the eighth inning, and it was insufferably hot. <laughs> so my friends and I said, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's getting dark, and our car was parked a long time, you know, far away. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, let's walk together out of here. So we did. We got, they got this in the bag. And then I'm falling asleep like an hour and a half later, and I just check, like, hope that score held. (laughs) It certainly did not. (laughs) Detroit uh, came back and beat them in 12 innings. (laughs) I just imagine those people sitting there like, it is 97 degrees, and there's not a puff of air anywhere, and I'm still here watching this. We went to the Nats-Padres game, uh, I believe two Fridays ago, to watch a... Well, when we left, I think it was an eighteen to five loss to the Padres, and then I, th- I think it ended up being twenty five was the final total run scored. Exact same <laughs> scenario, still ninety three degrees. Um, <laughs> just being like, well, that happened very quickly, and it just seems rude for them to keep scoring at this point in time. There's literally not much else, you know. And it's one of those things where you're just waiting for everyone to be like, can can we go now? <laughs> can we just call this? I thing? understand yes. these were forty dollar tickets, but like. <laughs> 
Well, let's hope you do better than either of our teams here. Yeah, let's let's get out to a lead. Let's hold the lead. Five for five. Let's do it. All right. So let's explain the game. These are little uh, fragments of material, either fanfic written by our loyal listeners or actual passages taken from the book. Model Land by uh, Banks Salord. Mm -hmm. um, there are five of them. And uh, I'll read them, and then we'll wait till the end to score. Great. Are you ready? I am. Uh, Macy Camilla slid his backpack straps over his shoulders and glared at his group. Okay, today marks our passage through the first level of the barrier. Are you friggin' shtickin' me, yelled Jessamine. Only the first frigging level... Frigling. Sorry, frigling level. Yeah. She looked like she was going to burst a blood vessel. Jessamine was the prickliest of the pilgrims, and she clearly gave Miracle a serious run for her money in the beauty category. With her thick, cocoa-brown hair, warm sepia skin, and bright, tiger-striped eyes. Get ready, pilgrims, Kamala said. This is the part where all, where you all will crap your pants. <laughs> oh, wow. That's number one. Okay, I'll go... Real. I think prickliest pilgrim, I think, alliteration. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, number two. Oh, this was a heavy day, darling. In the history of Model Land and the history of the world, I dare say this is one of the most disastrous, devastating, disheartening days, even. Monsieur Nars's message had reached everyone in the world at exactly the same time, the announcement flowing like lava down the mountain and incinerating everything in its wake. And darling, the immediate effects of such a decree upon the world were well tragic. Hospitals from Terra Bossa Nova to Tulip were flooded with victims who'd fainted from the hideous blow. Fashion designers fell into debilitating depressions, shocked that they would be given no new nurses for sorry, no new muses for inspiration. Some abandoned their showrooms, others hurled themselves off their tall buildings in Ladorno their bodies crashing to the street in front of tourists and children. <laughs> More screaming children. Wow. So that, that presupposes some knowledge of the book, and I guess that means they didn't pick any Intoxabellas this year. That seemed convincing. I'll go with real. Okay. Oh, number three. Oh, all the Unicas said at once. Boo, the Belladonna, Belladonna answered like a seductive ghost. <laughs> a humor of sense she has, murmured Shiraz. A heavenly glow emanated from the Belladonna as though she was not a human but a goddess. Her hair was wild and black and fell past her waist. Her skin was olive, her cheekbones high, her lips defined, and her eyes the darkest coal-black irises Tookie had ever seen. The expression on her face was one of utter poise but also extreme annoyance. She was beyond striking, possessing a divine, otherworldly type of beauty. Shiraz dropped to her knees, and the rest of the girls followed. Supernatural, Piper blurted out reverently. Uh, a lot of eye descriptions. I feel like there's something at the beginning, like humor of sense. I think that was a little too on the nose. And my theory is that the Belladonna is going to be revealed to be some like normal, like we said, Oz type of person. So I say fanfic. Okay. Numero four. Tookie scanned the crowd. She felt her pin still trapped under the brooch where she'd hidden it from Zarpesa when she was still a no-see. But when she saw Theophilus, her heart remained strangely still. Tookie hadn't realized she'd have the same empty feeling that she now did about Bravo. 
I guess Zhen Zhen was right. Males really are accessories. Just when she was about to lose hope, Tuki saw her, the first S in Friends, the only person who even noticed her during her days as a forget-a-girl. It was Lizzie, and she was carrying a handbag from Tuki's XO2 collection, named after their exodus that had been so strangely interrupted. Lizzie remembered. Tuki's heart fluttered. Wow. Oh, I think fanfic. It's clever. All right. Final one. Tuki and Bravo Gunero Gunero? Is that I don't sure. Tuki and Bravo Gunero crowed the beast and the beauty, right? Theme Queen versus Court. Court wants to overthrow Queen and steal her crown and jewels. Bravo, you can steal my family jewels any day. The piercing buzzer sounded. Tuki and Bravo ran down the plank toward each other at top speed. Bravo stretched out his hand, ten feet away, six feet, three feet, and then contact. Tookie's arm hooked Bravo across the neck, throwing him off the plank head first. The crowd gasped. Bravo's head was an inch from the ground, and then he was yanked back up by the anti-gravity pull of the orb arena. <laughs> crazy, crazy eyes may not just look crazy, Gennaro trilled. The crowd let out a mix of cheers and boos, but Bravo was obviously the favorite. As the anti-gravity pushed, years of pain and rage bubbling up inside of her. No way was she backing down. Not after she found out she was nothing but a bet. Uh, uh, I mean, that's weird and specific enough that I think it might be real. You're gonna, are you going to rate that? Real. I think so. Well, you are going to be very, very happy. Wow. I, I think you are. Uh, number one, this was Macy Kamala telling him the part where you all crap your pants. <laughs> uh, Craig sent that in and that is real. All right. You, you said real. Wow. Pants. Uh, what was it? Derry Busey's quote about crapping in your hands and smearing them on your face. I was doing tours in Quezon when you, or no, I was in Quezon prison or something. <laughs> I don't remember. Wow. All right. Well, you were crapping it in your hands and smeared it in your face. Well, I wouldn't put it past this book. Yeah. Uh, darling, the people are killing themselves. Victims are jumping off of buildings yeah. in front of tourists and children. That is from Elizabeth. That is real. All right. You, you said real. Uh, the next one was the Belladonna. Revealing herself? Uh, meeting, the, meeting the Belladonna, mm -hmm. uh, who says, boo, like a seductive ghost. That was another one I thought was a little over the top. Well, that was from Janelle, and that is real. Ah, god damn it! So you got that one wrong. Damn. Wow, that's seductive ghost is some really bad writing. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is uh, Tookie sees, meets uh, up with Lizzie again. Okay. And she, she brings her there, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that was fanfic. That is. That was Nathaniel. Okay, fanfic. it was clever. I, you know, Lizzie's got to reappear, so I think people have tried to figure out how that was going to work. And then this fight of Bravo and Tookie? Yeah. Uh, that was sent in by Jens, and that is real. Oh, boy. So you went four for five. Okay, not bad. That ought to raise not up bad. the whole thing. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Mm -hmm. Good job, everybody. Good selections. but uh... Yeah, there was... Uh, there was a bunch of stuff sent in by... There was a lot to choose from. So if I skipped over your thing, I do apologize. Because there was good fanfic and stuff too. But the real ones were just so 
so bizarre. I wanted everyone to know this is what we got in store. Yeah, for, that's so. good to look forward to. Yeah, people, there's always more that we can't use. It doesn't mean yours is bad. It just means, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, no. I'm trying to do a mix. And sometimes they're about the same character. So if multiple are about Lizzie. You don't want you to be like, oh, well, I answered this exactly. to this one type of thing. So, yeah. And some people who send in real also send in good fanfic. So, you know, it's just a. Just a strategy thing, but uh, well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was always fun to try. Uh, let's move on to chapter 23, which is where we meet our uh, prognosticator of pants crapping, Macy Kamada. Yeah, who is this person supposed <laughs> to be? Uh, well, let's so let's just get... This is called the Diabolical Divide. Uh, we're, we're, yeah. we're back at the base of the mountain where we've been informed people who don't make it are going to try to make a pilgrimage up the mountain to plead their case to be accepted to model land. Why you'd want to do that based on all we know about it, we have no idea. But Because um, no one ever has succeeded, right? There's No, No, it talks about how many... It's like Everest if more people died trying to get up to the top of it. Yeah, and the way she describes it... Uh, I'm going to give you a sonic challenge in a minute, by the way. Yeah, I don't right. want you to try to wrest that away from I'll me. Drink some cozy uh, tea very quickly. As she describes the place, I think it, it's like um, the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, when they come to the area where there's all the, the creatures and the darkness and where the scarecrow's wielding is gone, I guess. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that iconic scene. Yes, there's just a lot of signs telling him to go back. And that's, I think, what she's trying to describe here. Okay, yeah, it does seem like it's a, a scraggly, you know, the gnarled trees and, yeah, those hand, handwritten I'd turn back if I were you signs. Yes. Yeah. But here's your sonic challenge. Every few moments, an eerie hoot, screech, or scream was emitted from somewhere in the darkness. Moans, grumbles, the sound of nails scraping down a piece of glass, pops of metal underfoot, an insane high-pitched laugh. Okay, well, I'm not Michael Winslow from Police Academy. (laughs) You can compress all those because this is supposed to be every few moments. (laughs) Okay. Uh, all right, let's let's do this. Do you want me to give them to you say, one by one? Say it one? Sure, sure. That that make it easier. Okay, an eerie hoot, Ooh. screech, ah! or scream, ah! moans, oh. grumbles, <laughs> the sound of nails scraping down a piece of glass, <laughs> pops of metal underfoot. <laughs> an insane high-pitched laugh <laughs> all right i think all the good work you did on real or fanfic has just been, been done very quickly you. uh yeah hey if you're tired yeah. of paying for the willem scream folks um you can use my moan <laughs> <laughs> so that's happening uh, every few seconds here that would be enough to get me to turn around before you'd even like you know gotten the shot in the ass that he's doling out yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of ass about to come up here with uh, when we meet Kamada. Yeah, um, and the, do you have? I, I don't have a lot of notes on this person. I thought they would be yet another Aussie if you had to, you know, if you were putting it together. But it's not apparently. Yeah, well, he's a he's the guide. He's a professional trespasser or raider named Macy Kamada. And yeah, I, I think, you know, you're, you, you're imagining essentially, you know, the Crocodile Dundee, like tanned, like, you know, rugged guy. But yeah, I, I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from that name or where he's from. Um, 
He's also joined on the trip by a twitching hunchbacked man with a leather hood over his head to obscure his scaly skin, beady eyes, and uniformly pointed teeth. And we're led to believe he's one of the guys that like lands lives outside of Piper's hometown of uh, yes. Sands Color. The one kept out by the domes that are constantly scraping their lizard skin over the dome trying to get to Piper's family and murder them. <laughs> and he, so this, this like literal monster is, uh, is also joined by the Harry Abigail good and her even hairier mother who was appropriately named Harriet. The good ah. woman uh, carried duffels that sported hairy sewn on patches, promoting their pro hair causes. And I just wanted to, to note the term for everyone pro hair causes. Um, that's what they've, <laughs> You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe work towards like uh, you know, feeding the hungry or something. It just I, that'd be my my advice to them. Uh, find right. find a better yeah. cause. Yeah, uh, but they all. So he's he's this kind of a you know. I, I guess we're supposed to picture like a weird kind of mule at the border mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Like, just hand me a stack of money and get in the back of the truck, kind of thing. Exactly. So they all do. They they pull out. Uh, they pull out wads of cash and uh, and give it to him like this is our life savings and stuff yeah. and uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but after they do that um, once again Salort and, and Banks what's what's wrong with you people Kamada stuck a needle into his rock hard butt <laughs> injecting a thick murky liquid a booster he explained again the pilgrims lined up. As they were told, Jessamine recoiled from the acidic burn of the needle plunging deep into her backside. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's bad enough, you know, injecting the, the, the teen's butts, but does it need to be thick, murky liquid? like that? Yeah, yeah. Why, why every time? It's just a couple extra syllables to make it more hideous and disgusting. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I mean, you all you just, you know, he's... Needed to just make it like you know his 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 pimple laden butt or something like that, and that would have been the full yes. the full um, full Monty there. Uh, but yeah, J- Jessamine is like a a pretty girl or something who felt excluded from this. I forget if she was mentioned before. Uh, this is a I think this is the first meeting of her. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, then uh, then Miracle and Creepy show up with her doll uh, in tow, Bellissima, I think. Um, <laughs> and so Kamada has has said like. You know, he yeah, he, he's this hardened guy. He's led people up here. He's he's had people die in his uh, in his command. And he says a doll going up the Kamai divide. Well, that's a first. And so like that's the one thing that in the entire book has like given a character pause. You pointed out the <laughs> took you know walked past without a second thought about the woman being crushed by a boulder. Um, you know, they, they, they thought that that Icelandic girl who suffered a head wound on the slide was dead and they sort of shook that off, but no, bring in a doll up the top of a mountain. They're like, Whoa, all right. Only in model. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have been deep in, in country and, uh, I've never seen anything this bad. <laughs> he then gave uh, creamy and miracle shots in their derrieres. Creamy turned Bellissima mm-hmm. over and exposed her hard plastic rear end. Give her a shot too. Kamada studied creamy. Whatever you say, lady, he had to push hard to get the needle to penetrate Bellissima's fanny. So just to, again, that's that's a series of sentences in a book that we all paid for and are all reading. <laughs> yes. Enough to give to give you sober pause. <laughs> About what you're doing with your life. <laughs> uh let me paint the picture in the ebook. So that that happens. Um and then uh and then the guide turns and he hoists his pack. Okay, then, the guide said. He turned to the pilgrims. Off we go. 
Uh, no page break, contiguous line. Tookie selected a purple <laughs> pen and began a letter in Trey Jolie. <laughs> right. Dear Creamy. There's one more like hoot. There's one more glass scraping across. There's one metal orbs underfoot. Yes. And then it cuts to her picking a gel pen. Yes. Uh, and that's just a... I, I did not expect a letter to Creamy from her. Sure. Uh, I mean, the last we saw, she had just seen this uh, this moment of Creamy being nice to her as a young baby. So I think that's, you know, the, the pacing is, is very off because we've learned that we've skipped ahead three months at Model Land. But uh, in the reader's mind, that's a fresh memory. So Tookie is now finally processing it and writing a letter to her mom, letting her know that she once loved her. I guess that is, yes. I, I didn't... Uh... I was so jarred by the fact that it was happening right, <laughs> right after the baby getting a needle pl- or the doll getting a needle plunge in its butt yeah. that it uh, probably threw me a little bit. But yeah, it's very, uh, very weird. You took 280 pages to get us through the first day of Model Land, and then you're just jumping ahead three months, um, throwing in things like Gust Gape class, where you have to learn how to keep your eyes open in extreme winds, which I'm glad yeah, they didn't and, and include. The, that was probably part of the thousand yes. pages, but... Yes, uh, and I wanted to make sure that that was not right. right. It's, this is part of the w- w- look at all the good stuff you missed in those three months. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they could do a montage, they would have. Yeah, which I mean, her yeah. learning, her her staring into a, a giant hurricane level fan trying to keep her eyes open would be a very funny scene in a in a montage if it was meant to be funny. <laughs> right. Uh, but that short chapter is over. Good. Yes, twenty four. Wow. And that takes place, uh, as Tookie said in her letter, uh, three months and four days into the Bella's first year at the unusual, untouchable, and never uneventful, fantastical land at the top of the mountain, um, which is the, uh, the the narrator's occasional presence rearing his head again. I guess, but it made me go, is that what you're going for? <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, un- unusual, I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah. Um, uh, untouchable, I, uh, but fantastical. I mean, I guess it, it meets the strict definition. Yes, it just uh, that that sounds like you're trying to create a magical and fun world. Yeah, it's not the it's not the logo from the beginning of a Disney movie here. Yes, this is a, a hideous world. Uh, I don't think anyone would want to visit it. Right, once this description was set forth, I mean. When it's an unknown, you're like, sure, I guess I'll go. But if if in Willy Wonka all the children were just you know killed or whatever, mm-hmm. then I guess you you no longer describe it as a fantastical land. I mean, it meets the definition, but it's a it's a strange right. And you know, there were parts of the world that were bad, but it didn't seem like the entire world was an utter disaster. I mean, they were attending school and having you know class elections, so it's not like there was a um, it was a, it was a hellscape, even though it was kind of hot where they were. <laughs> Yeah, you were able to eat pretty good sea bass out of a dumpster, sure, so yeah. it can't be it can't be that bad. Uh, but it, it but the chapter does start with a bang. Some of the best stuff that's happened in the book happens here, um, which begins with an encounter with Bravo, who Tookie remains oddly hostile to, even though he seems to be nice. I, I think to her, um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what he's supposed to be, but uh, I mean, I approach this chapter with the trepidation that I did uh, with the the Mister as as well. Like this is. <laughs> Uh, this gets a little weird, but uh, let's. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Well. So yeah. So Tookie's he's being nice, and then I mean, I'll just describe it as it happens. She's being weirdly hostile to him, but then he accidentally shakes a tree and gets bark on her. Hmm. So naturally, as you as you do when you when you do something like that, you go to brush it off, uh, and then this happens. 
Then Bravo lightly patted Tookie's hair clean of dust and gingerly plucked a piece of a small shard of wood stuck to her bottom lip. His thumb touched both of her lips, then entered her mouth for just a bit. He removed the last traces of chipped wood, but his thumb lingered between her lips and made slight contact with her tongue. Tookie wanted to bite down hard on his hand to teach him a lesson to not touch her like that, but instead... She closed her lips on his thumb, locking it inside her mouth, her body betraying her. <laughs> One corner of Bravo's mouth curled into a crooked smile. Um, do I taste good? Tookie realized what she was doing and released his thumb. So here's a challenge to everyone out there. Next time you walk past a uh, an 80s movie construction site and there's guys, you know, holding girders being like, Hey, baby! Um, do this to one of them. Just, just, just... Get them to touch your lip and then just stick their entire thumb in your mouth and close your lips around it and report back to us with how that goes. Yes, you might want to seed the piece of uh, the sliver of wood there just so that, you yes. know, lend authenticity to your, would you please use your thumb and remove this bit of wood that you got on my lip and uh, <laughs> and then go from there and, uh, and, and again, report back in detail. Sure. Uh, 372 pages uh, absorbs no responsibility for any injuries that you may suffer as a result of asking a construction guy to stick his thumb into your mouth and closing your lips around it. Thank you for that disclaimer. I uh, I had a settle the hell down <laughs> on that one. But then just a moment uh, just a moment later, yet another very, very firm settle down. Okay. Uh, pretty boy cook pretty boy kooky over tookie and want her nookie shiraz said sexily to tookie as they jogged away (laughs) you sound like chase tookie reprimanded not laughing back deep down she felt flushed overwhelmed confused his thumb entering my mouth yum i mean yuck was it all just a joke or something more settle the hell down oh, i mean if you're trying to describe a a you know 15 year old having her first sort of like you know encounter of a kiss type of thing why have you chosen such a thing uh that is unrecognizable to to everybody in the world as being something that happens in real life I, and what 700 pages were discarded by the uh <laughs> by the editor and this one remained in yeah this moment uh-huh. well i'm glad that it okay. did because we get my favorite movement in the book so far, uh, because uh, as she has his thumb in her mouth, um, it says we get this. And then suddenly, a lot of things happen suddenly, three figures tumbled out from behind the stadium. Bravo's bestosterow friends, Webb, Alexander, and and a guy named O'Neill. <laughs> so, <laughs> so O'Neill's not been mentioned yet. I'm not sure if he's wearing a uh, hello, my name is O'Neill sticker. And we get, I had to go back and look at this because I didn't notice the first time I marked it. We get two ands. We do. And I that was in the ebook, and I assumed, obviously, that is not in the Yeah, no, it's in the print version. Checked. I noticed it when I went back to take my notes. And then, wow. so O'Neill comes in strong as a guy named O'Neill. And then we get, looky here, Webb shouted in a nasty, oily voice. Alexander made slurping kissing noises. O'Neill thrust his hips forward lewdly like a humping dog. And I just wrote, O'Neill is my favorite character in all of literature. I hope he never shows up again. Um, I mean, or maybe we get one more big appearance at the end of the book. But either way, uh, I, I hope he's he's doled out sparingly throughout the rest of this. 
O'Neill is fresh from doing uh, one of Shakespeare's comedies where they have to do the hip thrust to let everyone know they're making a body joke. (laughs) Yeah, I hope he's wearing like a frilled uh, collar or something like that. That would make it even better. O'Neill. But that's, I mean... Why? Yeah, why did we get O'Neill when we had we had the two toadies? Webb and Alexander? That's the established yes. number of toadies. Wow, I don't know. Maybe they did a, a Kickstarter and it was get your get your name in the book for uh, you know fund a book for a hundred bucks or something. Uh, but the uh, the madness continues. Uh, so they go to and man, this this chapter. I'm just going to make the the blanket statement. This chapter could have left way way earlier for me. No, absolutely, I'm looking at the oh amount of notes god. I have, and it's like, for what happened in here? Oh my god! <laughs> this is the war of words. That's what uh, Wow is. Yep. We have to have an acronym for everything. <laughs> uh, so this is debate class. Yes, hosted by I don't. What is this thing? Uh, it's a seal, half seal, half man or something. Yeah. It's, uh, it's guru Von Magalo, which is great. It's, um, it's, we, we get that introduction because Chaste, uh, has, uh, turned as our precedent and said yesterday in the E, I heard some older Bellas say that someone named Matt Joe Von Magalo teaches this class. Von Magalo. She stretched the name out like Taffy. <laughs> I'm calling firsties. So all you chicks better Lego my Magalo. Um, oh yeah, chased, settle down. So she's wow. she, she's been to classes where the girls so far have been an enormous hand, a woman with spaghetti hair, a three quarter man, one quarter woman, Mister Fantastic. But she's got a she's got a good feeling about this guy being a uh, a, a stereotypical hunk based on his name. Well, reality sometimes doesn't meet your expectations. <laughs> Here comes Von Magalo. Yeah, she's she's essentially Kim Cattrall, right? In uh, Sex in the City, here. <laughs> yes, yes. A troll of a man entered. He was balding on the left side of his head, and he walked. I don't know why. And he walked like a seal scoots when on land. <laughs> that. I feel like there were a paragraph left out of description of what. <laughs> right, yes. That's all you need to know. I mean, you've covered the who bases Who was balding here. on the left side of his head and walked like a seal scoots when on land. So dragging, obviously dragging his lower half of his body around. I guess so. It was very hard for me to for, to capture, uh, to, to, to picture what that all was right, supposed well, to be. Well, here, let, let it come into focus. And, at, and upon seeing him, the Von Magalo Kim Cattrall disappears from Chase's mouth. Uh, she says, oh, mega hell no. <laughs> she yelled. So the, the guy is probably like, what? I'm just as God made. Yes. But the troll man was dressed impeccably. He wore an expensive looking suit complete with a man couture. I don't know what that is. Ascot and freshly shined chestnut brown boots. He ignored Chase's remarks and looked cagely around the room. Everyone is here. Yep, yep. Very good. Very good. And the yep, yep becomes a... His a catchphrase. catchphrase. He yes, shares a catchphrase, catchphrase with the vanilla ice. Who is this supposed to be? Uh, I mean, all I'm thinking is, you know, Mad-Eye Moody um, type of thing. That stringy hair, walking with sort of a cane. I mean, not to keep harping on the Harry Potter comparisons, but if that's what we're supposed to take away... Um, you know, <laughs> I also loved how they just they they went from calling him a troll of a man to just dropping all pretense and calling him the troll man. <laughs> it was very funny. 
And, and are there any clues in uh, that I'm missing in Matt Joe Von Megalo? I did not understand Matt Joe one word camel cased. Yes, and is he so megal? Is he megalomaniacal? But he's he's not really. I mean, uh, he seems seems humble and uh, sort of ashamed of his appearance. Very well. Yes. Anyway, yeah, that's that, that's just more more horror tossed at us. We also had the horror of them walking into this room and a magnetized wall uh Tookie felt a tugging sensation in the back of one of her right molars something dislodged from her tooth and shot out of her mouth before you could stop it clank a piece of metal slammed against the wall Tookie curled her tongue behind her back tooth sure enough her filling was gone <laughs> so we're having uh you know just like forcible uh painful dentistry done and you know this is just uh the teeth dreams are sort of a common thing i have them every now and then but it's uh, just just another thing on my list of things that uh, Model Land has in common with Infinite Jest because they played a major role in that book as well. Uh, and and the girl who uh, went too quickly through one of those tube gate things who scraped the top of her scalp off mm-hmm. looks at her in class and is like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Still, you know, fresh clots of blood right, on her head. The stitches and out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, so body horror plan. Yes, but we get the scene that we covered in fanfic where he asked what they wanted to debate and Chaste says uh, whether to wear a bra or not. And they introduce the debate by taking him to the front of the room and putting magnetic things on their heads and, you know, drawing their foreheads together. So they're debating it uh, like they're, um, you know, two opposing sides of a of a football, um, you know, lineup. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, we know Chase's character, but I just want to let everyone know. Uh, Chase seductively twirled a piece of her hair around her finger. Hammocks for honkers, <laughs> the giggles persisted. Matt Joe remained just as perplexed as he dragged his uh, apparently useless lower body around the floor, I guess. Bra versus no bra. Tookie wanted to yell out to spare him the embarrassment, but Chase just kept going. You know, bazookas, cha-chas, chesticles. <laughs> So somehow these eleven to thirteen year old girls know the worst, like of the... yeah, things that only uh, like '90s stand up comedians would be saying, like men stand up yes. comedians. Yes, or I guess probably Kim Cattrall in uh, Sex in the City probably went down a list like this. True. Yeah. Um, so I just I found that disturbing. <laughs> I don't know. Well, her, so her debate consists of this uh, soliloquy: uh, the melon fruit is one to be supremely relished. A sweet treat one should enjoy in its pure rawness without a fork to spear its tender flesh or a napkin to sop up the luscious juice that drips from our chins. Honeydews, cantaloupes, cassabas, crenshaws, muskmelons, and watermelons best appreciated without the interference of objects created by man's hands. Mm-mm. So she just rattles that off off the top of her head. What... What is wrong with her? I mean, she... I, 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 it's, you know, again, it seems like, uh, like the, the, the men writing woman awards type of things. Like, I, I, it's hard to imagine, um, I, it, that's what it smacks of to me. <laughs> it's, it smacks of like a, um, you know, uh, a, a raunchy comedy from, you know, before Me Too or anything with like someone saying, like a 12 year old saying that in class and the teacher going like, you know, look, uh, we and, and a boy saying that obviously, uh-huh. like just it's so 
you want to send them to the to the uh, psychologist's <laughs> office, yeah. right? Or a uh, or the uh, the confident like older brother character like uh, is trying to teach like the the younger kids like the ways of the the ways of the woman, and he pulls down yeah. you know a, a a blind, and then you know has a pointer that he points to it, and he's like. Cassabas, Crenshaws, Muskmelon, like that, yes. that listing and then at the, the terms. In the third act, of course, like, I'm a virgin. Right, okay, yep. <laughs> uh, but then Shiraz uh, manages to, to best that speech, even though she cleared her throat, seeming a little knocked off her game. Then, as characters are wont to do in Model Land, she launched into a song. The mm-hmm. boobies high and tight on me. My nobbies pert and firm agree, but forever young they will not be. No bra they'll snag with gravity. And so clearly by the end of that final line, the, the you know, everyone is left. It cuts to the class. There's crickets chirping. Nope. The entire class launched into thunderous applause. <laughs> yep. The Moon People class, the entire class, all at once, mm-hmm. everyone launched into thunderous applause. <laughs> oh. uh, and clearly, the teacher at this point, if he could drag himself up, if there's a desk anywhere, he could drag his, his body up to it and, and fumble for the phone and press the button to get security. <laughs> right, right. Have them removed. Drag and, me away uh, like a polar bear since I'm a wounded seal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, he's he's impressed with that. Yeah, he awards her the victory um, for for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They seemed virtually uh, identical arguments, but um, the oh, but yeah, he did he did point out that Chase used the male perspective as her uh, as from her argument. So I guess Chase is just uh, she she sees things from beyond her own point of view, and you've got to admire that in a debate class, I would say. I guess, except uh, it's it's not something she put on. She's got it there always. I, She's always like <laughs> <laughs> Beavis and Butthead, yes. ready to ready to go at any time. Uh, so you'd think, given the little vignettes that have occurred, that this is over. Uh, as puzzling as it is, Tyra and uh, Salord have gotten their joke in, and it's time to move on. Uh-huh. Oh my God, oh no! My God. We're... Speaking your your second beat thing is ugh. Seal is let in, uh, kind of like uh, the fugitive, you know, or um, she should have been let in on a pallet with the thing over her face, talking about fava beans and a nice Chianti exactly. or something. Yep. In a straight jacket uh, with the words ugly room scrawl on, about, on it in black letters. I, I didn't know what this was about. I, can you shed any light on this entire huge passage of the book? I can make it pretty quick, I think. Essentially, they've okay, they've ruled that based on Seal's actions, whatever she's done, we still don't know what, she has to Billy Madison model land. She's returning okay. to her roots to be, <laughs> Persimmon paused dramatically, a first-year Bella. So she just has to go back and do all the classes all over again. Okay. And they, they, but she's already been in classes, right? So she's been hanging around. Yeah. So she's, she's, yeah. she's Billy Madison, despite being uh, Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused, just hanging around the, the school that she graduated um, years earlier. Right. Right. What's that guy's name? She, I don't Oh, in the, uh, oh, dang, dang. I don't know. Fine. Um, uh, but the, the main big reveal, which is we're supposed to have a takeaway and which either Chase or Zarpesa makes, uh, snotty comments about is that they take off her straitjacket and her uniform is too small. Yes, it's 
it's it's bursting at the seams. I you know I I guess if I went back and wore the same clothes I wore freshman year of high school, they probably would be too. So I'm not sure what the takeaway is here. But they they haven't said that like she's been packing it on or anything. She's a beautiful beautiful woman. Right? Yeah, I I don't think that that's that. It again didn't know that. Uh, What's her name was uh, or Tookie was hideously deformed or whatever. I didn't have not picked up that she's been, you know, eating while she's been self-flagellating herself in a dungeon. But uh, you never know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, at this point in time, uh, Zarpessa says the famed Intoxabella is slumming it with us. And then Tookie can't resist anymore and says, you're no stranger to slumming it yourself. I also we skipped over the part where it says that Zarpessa had stepped up her her like mistreatment of Tookie. And it was like, yeah, they're they're pretty weak examples of it. But yes, she's saying like rude things to her, so she's really ramping things up. But it also hasn't she already forced her? She did something. She made her punch herself in the face or something. She used her centura to make Tookie's hand drawn image on her bedstead attempt to strangle her. Which I was like, well, that's you know, that's attempted murder. Then right, that's just not name calling and chase like snickering like Beavis anymore. Uh, yeah, she, uh, what, I guess what they left out is that she, uh, put a bunch of bars of soap into a pillowcase <laughs> and then strapped her to the bed and beat her so there wouldn't be any bruises. <laughs> yeah. So, they, so, know. yeah, so their relationship has gotten much poorer in the past three weeks, but of course they end up having to debate each other. Um, and their, their debate talk of it is, uh, whether you can be, uh, there are any other kinds of beauty, uh, or if just conventional beauty is the only one that matters. Um, yes. And this is where we get a very confusing uh, character sketch for each. At least it was confusing to me about who was taking what side and what that exactly meant. And a lot of emotion poured into this, but still a lot of confusion on my part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a four-way debate. It's Seal, uh, Tookie, Zarpessa. I don't remember who the fourth person was. It didn't, didn't really matter. But essentially... Uh, CL reads a poem <laughs> yet again. Um, uh, and then uh, Tookie argues that uh, she says she's, she's not beautiful and never will be. And CL gives the beauty can be many different things speech, which is, you know, standard from this type of, um, you know, Disney Channel type of show. And that's what causes Dylan to stand up and freak out because she's like, don't waste any of my precious time with this nonsense. None of it, not a smidgen, not a drop of a, not a damn thing pertains to me because she's so large is the point there. And she, she flees the class. Right. <laughs> uh, can I, can I read the poem that made Tookie feel the urge to cry and clap at the same time? Please. Uh, her bound wrist prevented her from applauding. Um, but apparently this is the same reaction. Thunderous applause would. Got it. Okay. But this is a poem, so it's not a song. So I don't have to sing it. Perhaps perfection is your snout. Queen bees have stung your handsome pout. What lies within your cantankerous head? Infected hard pus in old black heads. Strength be with you, Pessa, as you fade, whilst the UL's dance upon your grave. Ugh. Are you feeling the urge to cry and clap at the same time? <laughs> I like that in this world, poems have just... The only, the only type of poem is, you know, Shel Silverstein. Like, she's a world-famous yes. poet, and yet she just... She, all she does is, is you know, A-B rhyme schemes, um, <laughs> straightforward stuff like that. There's there's no snapping. There's no, like, you know, inflection or anything. It just is it, it, what you'd write in third grade. 
Yeah, they should have, again, they should have showed them off stage. They should have been like, and then she launched into one of the most delicate, balanced, powerful, you know, it ebbed and flowed. It came and went like summer and winter and fall and spring and rage (laughs) and beauty all at once. And when she was finished, they were all on the floor wrung with every emotion, you know. But instead, they they actually describe the poem, <laughs> and the people have the reaction to cry when it's like that is literally the worst dashed <laughs> off. That is the equivalent of my name is Mike, and I'm here to say. Yeah. I mean, please, yeah. And they've been jumping around in time like nobody's business, so they clearly could be doing stuff like that. We just lost yes. three months and four days here. <laughs> well, tell me what happened here. They they rule. I don't. I don't. Doesn't matter who won this. We didn't need to have this entire beat, as you said earlier. But as Dylan flees, they're concerned about chasing after her. And uh, Matt Joe says, class is allowed to um, depart. I'll see you soon. But now I have to go make a, uh, a special deposit. Yep, yep. Ooh, Chase snickered. I can only imagine what kind of deposit he's talking about. What, like, what, what is he talking about? I, I just have it here. I said, that's what this book was missing is poop jokes. <laughs> All right. And we're getting them to him, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, it seems like it's a joke he, he's making. And then she just, you know, she calls more attention to the fact that that's what he's saying. I guess so. I mean, he might as well have said like, well, I got to go uh, drop the deuce or something. And she's like, I'd hate to say, oh, he already said it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a more unholy type of bank he's depositing something into either. That's uh, right. like, you know, oh yeah, man, four, four way head to head debates always get me, uh, get me going, especially oh, when goodness. there's a poem reading in the middle of it. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, but yeah, it ends with Dylan. They follow her into a hallway that smells strangely of wet fur so, I mean, you have to throw up your hands at this point of the game, being like, uh, sure, I guess, you know, that's that's where the book is logically leading us, just musty smelling hallways of wet fur. Um, and then someone realizes where they are. Shiraz screams, catwalk corridor. <laughs> and that was when the first set of claws ripped into Tookie's flesh. All right. So she was still, I, I'm assuming the claws that ripped into her flesh the the blood pouring out of her mouth is mingling with the blood from the fresh wounds mm-hmm. because of her tooth being oh sure the filling yeah extracted. yeah she's, she's an awful pain she she needs the, a dentist right away but she's suppressing that to go after her friend oh and by the way I, we passed over it but uh, so everybody got whatever metal was on their body was was you know gouged out of them taken you know if they had a metal hip it was torn from their hip socket pacemaker you're lying there you you bled out in 10 seconds yes and they so they they stopped the magnet uh, force and all the stuff fell to the floor the likey sisters rushed to the sparkling pieces pocketing them so that that is a little disturbing of you know fillings coming doesn't out have a good track record with harvesting does other not people's have a fillings good, uh, <laughs> connotation at all and it's just like a, a terrible aside in this already horrible horrible world yeah they, they yeah there was a very aside that was like they've been named like the fraud quad because they've been stealing things <laughs> all right again if you're gonna pay that off it's gonna be really stupid when you did yeah <laughs> All right, so then uh, should we move on to 25 in the yeah. cat, Catwalk Corridor? Catwalk Corridor, yeah. And Chapter 25 is titled One Biatch, which it just sounded to be like a, a, a bad George Thorogood draft. <laughs> one bourbon, one biatch, and one beer. 
Maybe. Yes. I don't know. And I just said most insane chapter yet. It's a short one, but I think it packs a lot in. It does. I uh, uh, I don't know what to make of it. it. It reminded me of the, you know, when the internet exploded over the Cats, uh-huh. uh, the Cats remake. Mm-hmm. There was like two days where people were like, you have to see this. And uh, this was long before this, obviously, but it is a strange, it's a cat-human book, yeah. you know, or a chapter that I have to like picture. And then all I could think of was those gross yes, things. Yes. Yeah, I had trouble... I had trouble realizing what the deal was, but I think I don't think they're you know bipedal cats. I think they are cats, but their faces are able at the same time to resemble the you know not to not to get ahead of this the model land students that they have been transformed from. Yeah, I think you pretty much just got ahead of it. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, they're they're uh, it says um, two animals with striped animals with amber eyes slinked out of the shadows. Their fuchsia painted claws extended like switchblades in even dimmer light. The larger of the two stopped to lick its paws and rear ends. So I, I, I think they are just regular-sized cats. But it has no ordinary. It was no ordinary feline. Its face looked human. The cat stared yes. at her and spoke. Uh, but before that, I just want to get back to. I just want to make sure you think I'm not uh, exaggerating this. So she, uh, in the previous chapter, ended with claws ripping into her flesh. Yeah. And then a shining claw reached out again and struck her mouth rip. <laughs> Ow, Tookie whispered. The familiar trickle of blood dripped down her chin. Uh, and then she gets uh, she gets a uh, reaction. Yeah. She gets the, the reaction to the fur. Throat uh, uh, itches and hives broke out yeah. on her skin. Allergy. But she's currently bleeding to death. <laughs> I mean, she has the tooth injury. And she, they, I guess her lip is just shredded. Uh-huh. Yeah, she won't be uh, sucking on anyone's thumbs for a while. No. That uh, that bit of uh, wood scrap is certainly gone by this point because <laughs> her lip is torn off and dangling in front of her. <laughs> I just don't know. She like starts these things, but she seems to abandon them. Yes, yeah. A, a An injury that would be something you'd be complaining about for a couple days is, is just very quickly you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. So yeah, these these uh, cat hybrid humans are attacking them in the dark. Uh, yeah, it's very dark. There was like a uh, I think a, a neon sign that said "Catwalk Corridor," but that's the main light we get. So I guess they have sort of bright eyes that sort of uh, light up like the Cheshire Cat. Um, we we also got this. You know, the, the, one of them uh, looks like the Intoxabella Anka, who was a favorite at Cappuccino Fashion Week. And then wow, Tuki thought the tabby looked like. Hyperactive Fiona from Icy Land. And this is the first mention of Fiona. <laughs> um, did you check? I, I, did. I was going yes. to go back and look at this. Because I remembered okay. Icy Land. Icy Land is where Angelica, the girl who gashed her head and everyone thought was dead, that's where she was from. Yeah. But uh, okay. yeah, it's just the first time we've heard of Fiona. So that's just good storytelling right there. <laughs> uh, did we, had we met Anka? Uh, I didn't look about that one. Uh, just since she was given sort of a. Um, a favorite at Cappuccino Fashion Week. She may be a person who had already graduated and become a, a Intoxabella. Okay. And she was the one who was yelling, the guys get shirts, as I recall. <laughs> There's a deep cut for yeah, everyone. Nice. <laughs> uh, but then Zarpessa and Chase entered uh, because there ha- have to be in every scene. Um, that's sort of just model and law at this point in time. Um, but it is quite an entrance. 
Uh, yes, indeed. Dozens yeah. of cats circled their ankles. A calico zeroed in on Zarpessa, murmuring, I want this pretty one right here. Then, to everyone's horror, it squatted and urinated on Zarpessa's feet, marking its territory. This one is mine, mine, mine. Zarpessa screeched and ran away, frantically shaking her feet. All the cats laughed. How is it getting just weirder all the time? It's well, I I love that everyone everyone shrieked in horror. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, I mean, uh, or to everyone's horror. So the person she's still holding on to her lip. She's still trying to staunch the flow of blood from her tooth that had been yanked. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, did you have your uh, wisdom teeth out? Uh, I did, yeah, and I've also lost a filling, and you just have this hole in your tooth that's like it hurts, and like you can't help it to like keep messing with it, like sticking your tongue in it and stuff. Yeah, my my, I had impacted molars, so like two growing together or something, so they had to be chiseled out of my head, and uh, it, that was it was major surgery. Like I was out for a few days, mm-hmm. so she, this she, hers was just forcibly ripped from her, and then she was fully mauled by a cat. But then another cat comes up and pisses on her friend's foot. <laughs> yeah, that's and she's filled with. That's horror. the horrifying part of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and the cats laugh wow. at the moment too, even though they're uh, former students who have been turned into cats and secreted away as punishment. Yes, you, you know you got to find mirth in your day to day life, otherwise, you know you're going to go crazy. Yes, and then the cats begin, I guess, tasting the. Uh, and they taste like sweet cream. I want me some more. Okay. That's their uh, blood? Said, said Daisy Ellen. <laughs> uh, she was, I don't know. Oh, da- uh, she was a shiny-furred Abyssinian okay. that looked like the Intoxabella Daisy Ellen from 500. I didn't, did we meet her before? Uh, there were no buildings shaped as numbers. They were just numbered letters, right? Okay, I don't know. I don't is know. this before or after the cats start offering them pills? Oh, I think it's before. Okay, just, I just, just wanted to get my time for him, Chate. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, so then, but then they start attacking again, right? They're drawing blood and stuff and slashing them with claws. Yes, yes. So it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the injuries get worse. And cats, they can, can have what, like, uh, what, it's not trichnosis. What's the name of the thing you can get from their dirty litter boxes? Oh, yeah. yeah I don't know. Anyway, something like right, that. Right, uh, toxoplasmosis. right. Toxoplasmosis. Toxoplasmosis. <laughs> which sounds about as bad as, like, you know, if you have mice that are pooping in your house, you could get the hantavirus. <laughs> yes. like some of them just have a special ring where it's like, could you call it something more technical? Right, yeah. It sounds a bit more exotic and a bit more, uh, a bit more deadly. But then... Yeah. Uh, before they can, you know, tear these, tear their legs to to ribbons, the in talk, the uh, in, the belladonna shows up in the form of a giant lion head, <laughs> um, which uh, breathes fire, singeing the mm-hmm. whiskers of the front row of cats. The smell of wet and burned fur mixed with the stench <laughs> of kitty litter. So uh, <laughs> my Tom Waits moment was I think about the hunchback, but this would would make one one too like the. The stench of wet and burned fur mixed with the stench of kitty litter. And <laughs> Norman tried to escape it by taking a walk, and but his wife is following him in a monkey shit brown Camaro. I used to see a prostitute with one arm who lived with a lot of cats. <laughs> one day, her ex-husband firebombed the place. The smell of wet fur, <laughs> kitty litter. Uh, but it's just sort of a, uh, it's the Belladonna uh, who's here to, to discipline people 
She says the catwalk corridor was created as a correctional facility for you to reverse your abominable behavior to be domesticated. This is a jail to stop, teach you to stop being such catty wenches. Because in the land of Intoxabellas, whether down below in society or up here at our beloved model land, there is room for only one. Biatch. She made the last word sound like an extended pissed off meow. And uh, I was going to give that to you as a sonic challenge. Please just repeat that last I've word. Been as through the it ringer described. today. Um, Biatch. <laughs> and so oh, Steven Tyler there. <laughs> all the other words were period period you know they're individual sentences yes so then she just ratchets up to yeah the Steven Tyler for for the final B yach and then uh and so the yeah the lion warns uh uh Tookie she says watch out Della Creme the kitty cat got a taste of your sweetness and wants more of your cream god can we can we just not say that about the uh, you know the fifteen year olds? It'd be it'd be lovely. We could. That would be nice if we didn't. <laughs> but then the lion opens its mouth and sticks out its tongue, and they say, "I guess we follow the taste bud road." So they that's what you say when <laughs> when a lion sticks out its its jagged teeth, drip saliva, and its hot breath blew through the girl's hair. <laughs> of course, you say, "I guess we follow the taste bud road." Yeah, you sort of poorly do a, a twist on a Wizard of Oz quote. Yeah, um, um, but th- then they then they all walk in. They follow her into the throat of the lion and emerge in the hallway of the D. And to her credit, um, Tookie sums it up very well. What in the hell was that? Tookie whispered. <laughs> yep. Note the date and the time, and Model Land has become so, self-aware. Yes, very yes. much. Oh man, it's you know the, the last chapter to be more like that. You know, quick hits like that with with with. Cats peeing on people's feet uh, and then laughing about it. I, I think more like that and less, less uh, fillings removed unwillingly and scooped up by uh, little ghouls. Oh, or uh, honky uh, construction workers sticking their thumbs into uh, little girls' mouths. Can we have far, far less of that, please? <laughs> but more O'Neill humping. If that's what it takes to get him humping like a lewd dog, I don't know. I, I, Look, we we had a lot of we had a lot of real in the realer fanfic, and not a single mention of O'Neill. It's very disappointing. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if if O'Neill is not uh, does not show his face next week in that segment, I'll be I'll be I'll have to issue everybody a, a firm firm settle down from my disappointed self. Can I just say that if uh, O'Neill? is like the last sentence of the book. <laughs> if he's the last word of the book, I will send every one of our listeners $100 of my own money. It was O'Neill. The end. <laughs> I'd like to thank. <laughs> but if he's in the last sentence of the book in any way, like uh, it would be the greatest. It would all have been. Yes, I think so. Say. I think <laughs> I was watching something about uh, uh, the, the movie Replica, James Wynn, which in the last like 10 minutes, the evil guy who's been making the replicas reveals that he also has a uh, wine imprint called G-Wine because his last name starts with G. And I think mm. one of the comments was just like, if the rest of the movie just turns out to be him explaining his his vineyard, that will be that will make all of this movie <laughs> worth it. it O'Neill is that to me uh, in this point in time in the book. <laughs> Oh, like when the great Terry Silver was going to open karate studios all over the valley. Like, why wasn't the series about this? Why? 
All right. Well, uh, lots of good stuff here, but I think it's time to read people's dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Or an so these are the dumb sentences of the week, many of them submitted by our Patreon listeners who support the podcast and make this worthwhile doing. Uh, they're at patreon.com slash 372pages. Uh, please join them. It's lots of fun. And we've got a very fun Meet the Authors coming up that I think will be a real treat with a talented improviser. And you get every episode early among everything else. So thanks to everybody who supports us on there. So this will be the first time that a an improviser plays an actual author. That should be a, a departure because we've had nothing but actual authors <laughs> on. So this will be this will be fun. Right. Uh, here we go. Uh, this one is from Elizabeth. You and Toxabellas have been in this incarcerated purgatory for an exponential amount of time and still behave like the savage animals I've turned you into. And her comments were, "Well, exponential amount of time makes no sense mathematically here." And how surprising that the savage animals you essentially created are acting like savage animals. Well, <laughs> that very much makes sense. It seems like a weird punishment. Uh, this is from Hayden. This was, uh, uh, well, this was about the uh, crew going on the journey. After them, none other than the hairy Abigail Good, her T-Dod head injury having healed, and her even hairier mother, who was appropriately named Harriet. And he says it's an underrepresented example of Kleining in writing the self-approved quotes joke. Um, Andrew submitted, as she brought another can to her mouth, it slipped out of her hands and plopped right into her oversized flower brooch. And he just said, I'm not sure how something falls into a brooch. I, I don't understand either. Oh, oh that moment I, I had circled, but I'm like, well, There's so much to talk about. Yeah. Stuff goes into it. Like it's her refrigerator back at the thing. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. I can't care. <laughs> he said, I'm thinking it's like a corsage. So it's just a pin and a bunch of flowers and no room to contain a can of whipped cream. I don't know. Janelle submitted. We've covered it, but I'm going to read it again just because it was a standout. You're now so hungry. You could eat the ass out of a low flying duck. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to do a cartoon of that, I would, uh, Oh, dear. Uh, Mike submitted, she didn't know whether to run and find a tissue or a bush to hide behind. And he said, well, since she was inside, I'd recommend the former. <laughs> That's when she's <laughs> looking out at uh, Bravo from, from the window of the uh, of the E class. Yeah, yep. mm -hmm. uh, Steve submitted, uh, we, we talked about this one, but pretty boy cookie over Tookie and want her nookie. Shiraz said sexily to Tookie as they jogged, jogged away. <laughs> And he said it was not only a dumb sentence worthy of Model Land, but also of My Immortal, which makes sense. My Immortal comes, I feel like, comes up a lot in sort of this, uh, maybe it's just the, the setting since it is a Harry Potter ripoff, but um, the the various uh, rivals and stuff um, that uh, Ebony had in that book. Not a, yeah. Also, I mean, said the robot pimp disdainfully comes up pretty easily in that little reference. Yes. <laughs> said, said chased sexily. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um I think if any of these characters die and come back to life, that'll be the true test of, of it resembling um, right. my immortal. But then Jay, this is the last one, said, Tookie had to punch her own image in the face, knocking her bed sketch out cold. And <clears throat> even though that the other one was worthy of my immortal, this is one that could only exist in Model Land, I think. <laughs> did you have any that we did not discuss already? Well, I have one that it's, it's just very irritating to read. 
So just imagine it without knowing the craziness that she's already set up. So here's my dumb. Th I guess it's the annoying sentence of the okay. week. Can I amend yeah, it sure. to say it's? We've had okay. we've had a boring sentences. We've had a, you know that'll work. The hands were just like those that had dressed Tookie in the THBC bubble and CL at run dash a dash way. <laughs> yeah. I just, there's not enough middle fingers that's, for that. Very sense. annoying. Yeah. Extend your middle finger on one of those Dr. Seuss contraptions in a white glove. Like, yes. I had this one from uh, towards the end. She felt ashamed that a cat, even one with a human face, could make her feel so insecure. It's like, no, it's, it's off-putting and against God. There's no shame in, in feeling this. It's, it's, a, it's a very notable. And as you emphasize repeatedly, you're bleeding severely and had a filling just ripped out of your mouth. So you're not yourself. Take the L and, uh, and, and don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> wow. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, let's do a couple emails before we sign off. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. All right, emails from our listeners. We didn't do any last time. Uh, we'll just read a few here as we approach, once again, the, the, the past two-hour mark of this podcast. Uh, this one's from Shimakazi. It makes sense that the person who coined the word smiles for smiling with your eyes would be obsessed with eyes, but eyes are referred to around 600 times in this book. That's more than once per page on average. Then uh, they say eyes are described as and there is a lengthy, lengthy, I'm just going to read the beginning. Luminescent, illuminated, one green and one brown, three centimeter, too far, too far apart. Green, mismatched, silver dollar sized, aqua, sympathetic, golden brown, salted caramel, bright, intoxicating, hollow, terrified, terrifying, dark, blank, smoky, damn, good, glass, glassy, single color, hypnotizing, on and on and on. That's literally a fifth of what she submitted. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I just looked down at my, just the notes sitting here, and I see the word I like six wow. times. I didn't even realize. <laughs> um, then they had actions performed with eyes, including met, cut, locked, shut, rolled, spread, lowered, raised, opened, popped open, closed, averted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's about a quarter of what you submitted. Wait, who, which book locked eyes all the time? Was that uh, oh, My Immortal? What was locked eyes? Uh, that, locked uh, eyes I think that everywhere. was Ready Player Two. Ready Player Two, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they were locking eyes constantly. Line touch, nice. Yeah. Um, this one's from Brian. He says, I'm a very amateur writer, and one thing I'm constantly on the lookout for when I'm writing is my overuse of the word suddenly. I have conditioned myself so that if I now start typing it, I'll rewrite the sentence. As a result, when reading it, it tends to smack me in the face, and these last two readings have left my cheeks bruised. A quick search of the book shows 99 instances of the word suddenly, meaning something happens with suddenness on average every 5.8 page. The last couple of readings have really happened ramped it up with the offending word showing up six times in chapter 13 and 18 and five in chapter 10. I will now suddenly end this email. I, I feel like we've talked about that before, but just, yeah, things just happen, right? Not everything is suddenly like everything has to happen at some point in time. It's yeah. It's sudden only in some sort of uh, what, uh, you know, from the perspective of a certain right. <laughs> party has to be sudden. I guess yeah. things, things do happen sudden, I guess, gradually, uh, a boat motor can start or something. I don't <laughs> right. know. It's uh, it, I think it's just meant to indicate that sort of cinematic uh, startle type S of thing. Smash yep. cut. That's a thing I was told by a, a, a script guru. Never, never say that. And your, your script will be thrown in the garbage immediately. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Smash I'm cut. sure we've all used suddenly before too, but I, I feel like we don't do a lot of telling people what not to do writing wise on this podcast, but that seems like a good one to just sparingly use it sparingly. 
I used it a lot when I was talking about my favorite television show, Suddenly Susan. <laughs> so that was it came up with all my friends quite a bit. I had a deep moment of pause when I was listening to uh, Conan on his podcast talk to Jesus and Mero, who's a late night show that I really enjoy. And uh, Mero said that yeah, he was saying how the other day he was he almost made a Snorks reference, but had to stop himself from making such an ancient thing. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> if that's your, yeah. if that's your bar for like, and then and then the other people, Conan didn't know what it was. Like, Jesus uh, didn't know, but Matt Gourley uh, from Super Eagle, he, he knew what it was all about. So, like, all course. right, someone who would appreciate our work. Um. Matthew submitted, I heard somewhere that a good writer tells you a lot about his subject, while a bad writer tells you a lot about himself. Every novel featured on this podcast has included some display of uncomfortable, sweaty horniness, with the notable exception of 64 Squares. Dwight David Thrash, CPA, FCPA, and CGMA, appears to be the only author who is not suffering from repressed sexual desire. I guess so. I mean, I don't. I, maybe the series gets a little... I, I, if it does get a little horny in book eight of the... Uh, Certified Public Accountant series. I would love that. So please let us know if anyone has read those books. How did uh, Moon People escape the fate? They were they went to Red Lobster and went home and got busy. Oh, I mean, I knew the I, I remembered the Red Lobster. I, I kind of forget the busy. Was it described? I think, uh, yeah, I feel like it was. It was described in more detail than you would have expected from from Moon People's Dale M. Courtney. Uh, it was a gra- a Grandpa No I moment. I feel like it because they were both like older. I think, and it was. Um, I feel like it was explicit enough that I remembered, like, you know, going to Red Lobster became, like, shorthand for, like, about okay. to seal the deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Netflix and right. chill yeah. day. Uh, here's the final one from Lucas. This says, uh, I, I watched, hmm, I don't remember posting a video, the bonus episode with Lauren and got an idea. We posted a, uh, a bonus episode on Patreon where Lauren did some of the past real or fanfic to see if she could beat your coin flip. He says, we keep talking about how the contestant guesses compared to a coin flip, but there's only way to get to the bottom of this. I went through the same questions as Lauren, only I decided to flip a coin to decide my answers. I flipped the coin 15 times, heads for real, tails for fanfic. The comparison is interesting. Lauren got 9 out of 15 correct. Mike got 8 out of 14 correct because Connor accidentally spoiled the last fanfic for 64 squares. I guess that's what happened. Um, yeah. I, I, like I put it at the beginning, and so I said fanfic. Oh, whoops. I would consider these scores to be virtually identical. The coin, however, guessed five out of 15 questions correctly. This would indicate a human can perform slightly better than a random instrument. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure statisticians will have something to say about that. I just appreciate that, uh, yeah, uh, at home, Lucas was flipping a coin, listening to real or fanfic for uh, 64 squares and Ready Player One. Well, maybe someone can comment on your... I'm, I'm not disparaging your stellar uh, real or fanfic today, but mm-hmm. the sample size being so small, and what it, you know, what do you mean? Just by that? Well, I I'm just do saying it often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we could. I'm saying f- five. Well, no, we could up it. I'm just saying. I just want the statistician's view of that. Okay. What would you What would you say of a sample size? And 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 frankly, is our overall sample size so small that we'd have to? Uh, like I think I told you, I did it with uh, the the game Monkey Bash, yep. which is a favorite. My friend owns bar uh, top it's game. A bar game, where, yeah, where you just spank a monkey in the butt and make a clown spanks the monkey <laughs> in the butt and sends him across a circus tent that's endless. Sounds like a model lance class. Yeah, it it uh, it could be a, easily be a vignette in model land, 
And uh, it either, you know, hits a barrel and explodes or it hits a spring and like keeps going. And the monkey is delighted. <laughs> the harder he gets hit and the farther he goes. Anyway, it's uh, we had some statistical guys with us one time and we tried. We tried like hell to just like take down some. OK, do it this way and see if it improves. Huh. your. And uh, it all ended up being like so utterly coin flip random. That yeah. <laughs> And it was so arduous to attempt to do. It's so, like a bar uh, love tester. You just, whatever it decides, it's going to show you. Exactly. But uh, but we, we have no proof of it because we just didn't have a, a big enough pool. So we'll see. <laughs> That's uh, I'll report there back we go. after 20 Carter years. succeeds. Big enough pool is the problem. There we go. I said, I just want to know. I'm talking about my, I've included myself in that. Pool. Well, Lucas I, keeps keeps intricate records. So he will let us know how many I've actually done. And then we can maybe compare it to where your results were at that point in time. Um, I'm sure that's something he'll be able to pull. I'm fine with All that. All right. Are you feeling, are you feeling insulted by that? I, I praised you for your <laughs> performance. I'm not. I have, I have, uh, the thought of going Connor to a bar and I have a play. Very contentious. We do. It's all related <laughs> to the damn 372 players. It's all right. Well, let's let's wrap this one up. We'll post the assignment to the thing, and then we can uh, we'll, we'll do our. We won't speak to each other for two weeks as we usually do in between these things. Exactly. You won't hear from me. <laughs> uh, thank you again to uh, Patreon people uh, for again uh, sending all those things in. It made my uh, my work easy to uh, to give Connor those really easy <laughs> things that he. All right, <laughs> play the music. Thank you, everybody. Right. So long. <laughs> Bye. Everyone.